Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. 36 in Dwight. I'm Dave Schwan. Dwight. Dwight. Dwight, Illinois. Southwest of Joliet. Shout out to Dwight this morning. Good morning, Dwight. I was through that town on Thursday and Friday. Loved you on the office. (laughs) I'm Dave Schwan on Chicago's very own 720 WGN and WGNRadio.com. Now, what are you doing here? I thought you were... I was looking I'm forward to you being job. off today. I'm doing my job. Well, you're posting I'm Facebook doing. things. I'm I'm here. I'm there. Where were you downstate? I was downstate. Somewhere I downstate. was in Western Illinois, working on a very special story, actually, for Black History Month. But you made station. it sound like you weren't going to be like you're going to be down there. I was down there two quote, days working. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was. I thought Andy and I were going to do the far flung forecast. I came, oh, no, I, was ready. I came prepared for the far flung forecast. I, no, I'm. I'm. Andy, ready to did go you think he was going to be out today too? I had uh, had no idea. I was like you, thinking that uh, perhaps he was on a little road trip. It sounded like he was on a, a road trip. I was just neglected to tell us that he wouldn't be here today. Yeah. I well, I was. I would have mentioned that to you. <laughs> I would have given you so much advance. Well, word. you always do. Yeah, I know. That's why I was surprised. Oh, no, no. well, you should not have been. You should not have been because I will be. I'm here faithfully. And, At your service uh, day and night. That's, 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 that's right. <laughs> At your service day and night, we do our job and there do you it go. right. Here you go. Back me. <laughs> I love Three one of the, of the best riveters that ever riveted. Uh, Schwanies, uh, we'll talk more about where you were in a, in, in a second, but. Somebody uh, commented, you're posting every place you've been and listing the whole history of the state of Illinois, the whole thing. <laughs> and somebody said, you should have been a teacher. Yes. And uh, I thought, that was and an I old said, high school friend of mine that posted that. I and mean, that's what I said. Shawnee should be a teacher. <laughs> he would Trying be, to get rid of me, aren't you? He would, well, yes. But <laughs> he would. <laughs> Professor Shawnee. Uh, you would be a good teacher. You think so? Yeah. Okay. It'd be well, a good target to shoot little spits at. Right. <laughs> I'm going to go. Excuse me. I will now uh, come up with my lesson plan for uh, the show and for tomorrow. Thank you, Mr. Schwan. <laughs> and uh, we're not supposed to call him Elton Jim anymore. <laughs> he doesn't want us to call us Elton Jim anymore. He's just back from a trip to. The Holy Land yeah. and a cruise of Egypt. Take that, Schwanny. Where did you go to Dwight, Illinois? I went I went to <laughs> I went to a number of places. How about Israel and Egypt? Yeah, but did Abraham Lincoln ever hang out there? No, but oh. Ramses did. <laughs> wow. Nefertari. <laughs> Moses. How about Jesus Christ? Top that one. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Apparently, Abe Lincoln. Apparently, you didn't learn any compassion. All right, I've got to go. I've got to go make my newsroom. It's a hundred newsroom to run. Abe Lincoln. It's 150 years. We're talking about 5,000 over I here. Pal. You're supposed to come back profoundly moved from <laughs> being in the Holy Land. You've come back more angry than you were before. How did that happen? How was well, how was Egypt? Oh, how are how are the Sphinx? The Sphinx is that's my nickname now, Jimmy Sphinx. <laughs> 
But uh, wow, it is an inc- it's, a, it's a fascinating and incredible. Uh, when you go, it's one thing to see some of these Egyptian exhibits in a in a museum out of context, and you go, "Well, that's really nice," and it's all bejeweled. I and, saw King Tut at the right. Field Museum. But when you go to the pyramids or to the these various temples, you think of the bangles and walk yeah. like an Egyptian. And you know what's funny? Nobody ever sang that song. I made a few comments, and that, that song is not, you know, lived well over in Egypt. No. It's here. It's big here. I love this song. Yeah, I would but, rather hear this than you right now, to be honest. <laughs> But I mean, you see these seventy-foot statues that's of am- these. That's amazing. Pharaohs, built. and they're still. We went to this right. le- this Luxor temple in Luxor, and it there was colon. You know, we we're over here worried about these seven colonnades at Soldier Field. Yeah, <laughs> you should see these things. Yeah, it's a, it's amazing to me that these were <gasps> and built. They're still up, still standing. How these were built by humans? Number one, they're still standing. Yet our viaducts here. <laughs> This is what I'm like 20 years old and they're falling. We went into some tombs. You could have sworn they were painted yesterday. Hmm. I have to paint my house every five years. No. These are 5,000. It's amazing. It's, yeah, it, I don't know what happened to our, our, um, our source of knowledge. Something stopped because no. we should be so farther ahead if they were doing this right. five thousand years ago. Oh, very true. But everywhere you go is, is history and it's, um, it's 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 awe inspiring when yeah. you when you, you you stand in front of one one of the, one of the heads of these seventy foot statues fell and they had it on the ground and it was three times my size hmm. so you're like okay that's up on the top that's, that's just the head it's amazing how yeah. they how they get that up there it's, oh I always wonder when I see those kinds of things Jim uh, also had uh, some pretty big news while he was gone we we had talked about. How he was starring in the production of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, and the nominations for the Joseph Jefferson Awards came out. Schwani, guess who is nominated for a Jeff Award? Um, it wasn't Abraham boy, Lincoln. Let me see. Maybe it was it Ramses? <laughs> Never Terry. Was Jeff nominated? James Toronto, as yes. we are now supposed to. Yeah, call that's him. yeah, that's that's we're my not, theater name. We're not supposed to call him Elton Jim anymore. <laughs> we're supposed to call him the. You got to say the full thing. Jeff nominated James Toronto. Yes, yes, yeah. That was quite congratulations. A Thank you very much. I'm very glad nice. you saw the show. <laughs> it was very busy that month. Yeah. No, I was very proud of that show, and we talked about it, and you were kind enough to talk about it and help promote it, and um, I'm very proud of it when it happened. I'm still proud of it, and I'm glad that almost a year later, we got, um, not only did I get uh, a nomination, but our show got seven yeah, very nice. nominations. Very nice. And so it's very, I'm st- it's still um, sinking in, but I guess I can tell people I'm an actor now. Yeah. When you win, I hope you go up on the stage and smack somebody. <laughs> well, I wanted to bring... Um, I wanted. I wasn't going to attend the ceremonies. I was going to send the Native American, but she that that you know got the Brando, but she just died. Sasheen Littlefeather, right? But she just passed away. Well, maybe you'll find another Native American, someone else. Hopefully, you'll find someone else. (laughs) No, it's very cool. How is Andy on this Super Bowl Sunday? I'm good. Looking forward to uh, watching some good football tonight. It's supposed to be a pretty good game. Yeah, two best teams in the NFL uh, matching up. That doesn't happen very often, but. both sixteen and three coming in, both with uh, good young quarterbacks, and uh, yeah, we'll see how it turns. Who are you out leaning there. on? 
You know, I have a hard time thinking that uh, Patrick Mahomes is not going to get it done. How do you bet? That's my point. I think yeah. the Eagles are a better team, but how do you bet against Patrick Mahomes? Yeah, it's hard to do that. The only thing that will stand in his way, uh, the the Eagles have a very, very good front defensive line, and uh, they've, they've made it hard for several teams to, to score on them. So that that's the one thing that I'm kind of worried about, but I think that uh, I think Mahomes finds a way to get it done. How was his ankle? Didn't he, I was going to say he's all did, good. Didn't he have some uh, yeah. injury issues? You know, luckily for luckily for a lot of these players, you know, as much as we would like to see the Super Bowl happen the week after the NFC and the AFC Championship game, these guys got an extra week of healing, so it's yeah. uh, it seems like it's a non-issue right now. That's uh, another point I want to bring up. I would like them to move uh, the Super Bowl to Saturday from now on. Wow! Instead of Sunday. Okay. okay. So you have a day. It's too, it's too hard for people yeah. to go to work the, the next, next day. day. Yeah. Well, if you live in Philadelphia and you go to school in the Philadelphia school district, you get a break because they announced, I think it was Wednesday or Thursday. There's no school? No, it's a two-hour delay start. Oh, Oh, win or lose. Win or lose, two-hour delay start. They got to move this to a Saturday. But I think it's so many NFL uh, NFL fans are so used to Sundays. I mean, Super Bowl Saturday is still a good good alliteration. Yeah, you still got the S's there. But I think uh, it's going to be tough to do. I mean, a lot of people have been talking about not just – Moving it to Saturday, but moving the time up. Right. It used to be a noon game. Yeah, or at least it used a to be three a, o'clock. It used to be a noon game before yeah. they can get seven million dollars for yeah. thirty seconds of advertising during right. prime time. Right, right, yeah. right, right, right. Shwani, your prediction for today's game is what? Oh, I think it's fine. <laughs> 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 He's still in Dwight. His that. head is still in Dwight. I'm happy to hear that there's one person even less connected to this than I am. <laughs> do you uh, Do you care? Of uh, between the two teams, no, no. But will you watch the Super Bowl? Oh, of course, I will. Do you have a whole menu? I like I like the pageantry of it all. Yeah, it's kind of a work day for me. I don't really like have a Super Bowl party kind of atmosphere. Oh, oh why do you consider it a work day? Because I I'm like covering the you know watching oh, the commercials, the, commercials. Right. Yeah. the halftime show. I have to like get my my stuff in all all locked down for my coverage in tomorrow morning. morning. Right. So. Yeah. So I'll I'll be watching it the same way I watch the Oscars or the Grammys or any of those. Elton's got a cool uh, commercial. Have you seen the Doritos commercial? I have not. Yeah, he's going to be in a Doritos commercial. I won't even tell you about it. It's pretty good though. Yeah, I'm, uh, I've lost interest in the commercials too because oh they, they're terrible. They've been terrible the last they, several. Years. They're not that good. And, and you can they, see them weeks in advance. Right? I know. It's not even fun anymore. Yeah. They're all yeah. I, I've already seen right. this Dorito one on Wednesday. Right. I am looking forward to Rihanna though today. Rihanna for the halftime show. I think is going to be pretty cool. Uh, Shwani, what is your favorite Rihanna song? <laughs> um, I think it's fine. <laughs> I think that's Lady Gaga. <laughs> Let me see here. <laughs> okay, what do you use when it rains? <laughs> An umbrella. There you go. There you go. That's the name of one of her songs, Shwani. Okay. Brella, 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 Brella. Hey, hey. <laughs> so. Do you have any prop bets, Andy? You know, I, I haven't made any bets on that, but there's so many great prop bets out there today that uh, it, it's so much fun. Uh, obviously, the national anthem always uh, is an over under. Chris Shelton's doing it today. Staples. I, no, Chris Stapleton. Oh, Chris Stapleton, sorry. Yeah. They, uh, I believe that Blake Shelton. Yeah, Blake he just married Blake Chris Stapleton. Yeah, they married each other. Blake Shelton. Uh, two minutes and two seconds, I think, is the over under, and a lot of people are betting the under. 
See what I don't understand. I could I get that, but there's so many of these bets. It's like, well, what is the like you were just talking? Like, what is the first song that Rihanna's going to sing? Yeah, that's well, one of them. But that doesn't go by. That, you know, she can she can bet on that and win she a, a ton. She could. Right. There's yeah. so many of these bets that are not by chance. If you say the score or how long will this happen, or but if you, they're saying like, well, what color Gatorade? Yeah, will they pour? That well, could, that could be affected. Yeah. I, I could can. Be. You know, I, they said, well, what what's going to be the first uh, commercial? Well, you can find that out. That yeah. the list is already right. made. Fox already has it. I like. Yeah, one so I don't of the understand bets, that. One of the bets that I heard was, uh, "Will Tom Cruise parachute <laughs> into the stadium? <laughs> Will he skydive into the stadium oh, man. Or, or not? What's what's the which over would, under? Which on would that? be fantastic. Yeah, cool, did, yes. By the way, I would love that. And it's uh, it's, it's not above happen. the Super Bowl to do something like that either. Well, it'd be kind of hard because the roof is closed. But oh, that'd be cool. Ouch! Even better. Be kind Even of fun better. to watch, right? <laughs> Even flat. He likes a good challenge. Uh-huh. Yeah. He yeah. likes a good challenge. He can repel from the roof back into the stadium then. Is it closed today? I believe it'll be closed. Oh, really? Even yeah. though they're in Glendale? Yeah. I think they're going to keep it closed. It's not overly hot this time of year no, there, but, but I think just to, control, to make sure, control yeah. the climate. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, I think the one of the other bets that's interesting uh, is, you know, for the first time ever, there's siblings facing each other. Uh, oh, right. Travis Kelsey for the Chiefs and yeah. Jason Kelsey, the center for the Eagles. There's a prop bet out there, I believe it states something to the effect, what's going to happen more, yardage res- yards receiving by Travis Kelsey versus snaps by Jason Kelsey. <laughs> oh, mm. wow. Mm. The minutia. So, yeah. So, Shwani, where did you go exactly? What were your... I think it was just fine. <laughs> Are you there, Dave? Yes, I'm here. <laughs> I was just listening to all of the conversation here, wow. getting enlightened on the Super Bowl. Uh, I went to... New Philadelphia, Illinois. Hmm. Where is New Philadelphia, Illinois, you ask? It is about 80 miles west of Springfield, and it was a town set up by an African-American man born into slavery who bought his freedom Hmm. and moved into Illinois and settled it 25 years before the start of the Civil War. And the National Park Service has now made it one of its latest uh, historic sites and tying it in with its Underground Railroad uh, Road to Freedom series. Mr. So, Schwann, is this going to be on the test? Y- yes, it will be on the test. Okay. And Can there I will be the math. Bathroom? And there will be math. Uh, but Andy's was, shooting rubber bands at me. Uh-huh. When this was, this still, was announced. You're a stupid head. <laughs> When this was announced Look at, this at the end of the year, I had to go down and see this. And I wanted to do a story, and I met some wonderful people down there who uh, showed me around and just gave me a tour. Oh. Got a lot of good information. Here's and where Shwani starts listing off the names of people who gave him free stuff. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to do the plugs. <laughs> Uh, Mr. Schwanee River, I have a question. <laughs> so that's where I was. So are, you gonna, are we going to hear a story? On no, Philadelphia. Yeah. We're going to do an extended story yeah. uh, for the web and for uh, news uh, purposes here, all tying in with Black History Month. So where did Dwight, Illinois fit in then? Well, it was uh, oh, you have was... to go through Dwight in order to get there. Oh, on, how silly. Uh, I-55 yeah. or, or my uh, road, the highway that's the best Route 66. Uh, and I was delighted to have breakfast Thursday morning uh, at the old comes, log cabin inn here comes in the Pontiac, free plug. Illinois. Here comes the free plug. And if and you love briskets and gravy. I had, <laughs> and if you love biscuits and gravy, you go there. But then I had not one, but two breakfasts Uh-oh. yesterday in Springfield at Charlie Parker's oh, Diner here we go. and the ding, Cozy ding. Dog Drive-In. Oh, Cozy Got it? Dog Drive-In. Mm-hmm. 
Nice. <laughs> well, that's very nice. Very nice. So, yes, you will be hearing uh, of some reports on this very soon. Nice. Uh, you didn't ask, but uh, I also visited uh, Berwyn. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Ricardo's I, Pizza. I went on a little to pick up some stuff. Did you go to the dollar store said, on Roosevelt? to the dollar store on Roosevelt <laughs> Road. Cicero. So I didn't get anything free in any of these places. On 22nd? Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know what? It's uh, time for, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, moms and dads. I yeah. feel like we've already Did we had, just do it? I feel like we have had a far, far-flung forecast already, but no. It's time now for the official far-flung forecast, our weekly compendium of fascinating facts by that world traveler himself, collector of free stuff wherever he goes, Dave Schwan. I don't have one. <laughs> I was too busy. <laughs> no, seriously. No. Yes, I do. Because if you don't, I do. Because I seriously, seriously, I thought you were not going to be here today. <laughs> I do have one. And... Friends, get out your compasses and protractors, Let's... because we are going not to western Illinois, but we're going to surprise Arizona. Surprise Arizona. Surprise Arizona has a population of uh, over 140,000, and the city was founded in the 1930s by a lady named Flora May Stetler, who named the town Surprise because, as she is quoted as saying, she would be surprised if the town ever amounted to much. Oh, that's not nice. That's not nice. Name your own town after this uh, surprise. However, we mentioned Surprise, Arizona today because it's just a few miles away from Glendale, Arizona, where we're going to see the big game later today. So it should come as no <clears throat> surprise that they're going to be... See what he did there? These, see what he did there? going to be quite busy today. And puckered up. That was so mostly sunny skies today in Surprise, Arizona, and the temperature is surprise, surprise, surprise. Forty-four degrees, going up to a high of (laughs) seventy-three. I was hoping so. We were going to hear from Gomer somewhere. (laughs) My far-flung forecast also is going to be about Arizona. The first Super Bowl halftime show was performed by the University of Arizona Symphonic Band. Featuring the great Al Hurt. Wow. And then I was going to play a clip of them, but since I don't really... That, that's, what year was that? 1967. Yep. Is that uh, right, Andy? Coliseum, yeah. Yep. Wow. LA, LA Coliseum. Yep. Yep. Al Hurt. Yep. What was your far-flung forecast going to be, Andy? <laughs> I was going to go to Surprise, Arizona as well, just because it's <laughs> Were the you really? spring training home of the Kansas City Royals and wow. the Texas Rangers. Oh, okay. And baseball begins next week, guys. Are there oh, pitchers and catchers reporting? Pitchers and catchers reporting. Yeah. Already. Look at that. A three-for-one far-flung. Dr. Kevin Mose, Chief Medical Officer, Northwestern Central DuPage Hospital. Happy Super Bowl Sunday to you, my friend. Dean, Jim, how are you? Every 15, for every mistake, you get shaved 15 minutes off? That's how they do it here, yes. That, that, wow. That, yeah, that's how we do it. Uh, so Keep up your current pace, you'll have the whole summer off. I'll have, oh, wow. <laughs> not, Listen not, to Don Rickles over here, not, Dr. Rickles. I'm getting heckled by the doctor now. <laughs> uh, so we have Super Bowl Sunday. What kind of health concerns should we have? For today, I, I know some people are, you know, there's there's a high level of stress between who will win the game or not. Uh, I I would assume gambling is an issue that is health related 
today. And, and I, the food. And I definitely know. The gorging. A lot of the food that's going to be put out today <laughs> is not the healthiest. And I don't want to be that guy saying, oh, don't eat that. Just have granola today. <laughs> uh, so where do we start with this, Kev, to try to help people negotiate the day a little better? Yeah, it is interesting. You know, you kind of hit on all the high points right there. If you, if you look at all 365 days of the year, this is probably one of the least healthy days, mainly because of really what we do with diet, uh, stress, anxiety, and you, you touched on it. You know, the gambling issue now has really just skyrocketed over the past, you know, five, six, seven years with over 33 states allowing legalized gambling. So now you can gamble off your iPhone, and we really have seen a huge impact on the number of people who with gambling problems and the number of people who actually have been showing physical signs of gambling addiction, which is very painful to see. Now, you know, people say, you know, well, gambling's not a health issue, but really it is, isn't it? It's a, it, it's a, a, a neurological uh, dysfunction, according to what I've read on this. Am I right? Yeah, absolutely. This is, um, it, it's a little bit genetic, but it's also actually very neurologic. In other words, you, you, when you win a bet, you get release of dopamine and hits a pleasure you know, area in your brain, and it makes you want to do that again. Uh, it's very much like drug addiction. Mm-hmm. So we really have to understand that this is a chronic illness, and that illness needs to be treated. You know, and it's unfortunate. You know, we as physicians will ask patients, you know, tell me, you know, how many drinks you do in a, in a week or in a month? How much cigarettes do you smoke? Do you use any other drugs? But rarely do we ask about gambling, and yet it causes anxiety, insomnia, depression, and suicide in many cases. Wow. So, um, you know, some some people will, you know, have, have it under control, still get that dopamine uh, fix. Uh, can this be done in moderation? Well, it can. You know, there certainly are people that gamble just for the, you know, the quote-unquote fun of it, um, and they, they know their limits and they restrict that. You know, in, in Illinois, one thing that we have done that other states don't allow is that we um, uh, allow credit cards to be to be used for, uh, for gambling. Hmm. So you can really get caught up in that, where other states just allow cash, so you have much more controls on right, it. Right. But that individual who, who bets a couple of times for fun and really is more about just a social environment, that's okay. But the individuals who now we're seeing bet all the way up to losing their life savings are the ones that really are, are, are concerning for. And those commercials that they have today, they, they downplay the risk of losing, of course, it's do. almost like it's it's a fun little. There's no risk. There's right. no downside. Yeah, you're going to do nothing that's but win. Right. Yeah. That's what's so scary about it because yeah, it's been interesting. So now that they're doing advertising for it and so forth, uh, to see how prevalent uh, it is, I would imagine that today is another day uh, with uh, exceptionally high consumption of alcohol. I mean, <laughs> think so. <yeah. laughs> I've done a lot of study. Wow, on you've really gone out on a limb there. What are you, Mr. Controversy now? I've done, I've done a lot of personal research on this subject myself. So He's got some uh, some scotch right here. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> Again, oh, yeah. mo- moderation, moderation, I guess, right, is, is the key, if that's possible? It is moderation, but it's, you know, it's, it's one of those where alcohol use and the type of food we're eating coupled together is really, I mean, look, how many chicken wings are people going to have? You know, each chicken wing, people understand that each chicken wing is 115 calories plus 
you know, 10 grams of fat. So <laughs> we really start to look at the multipliers of the bad, because they're all bad, right? We have nachos, we have potato chips, you know, there's that, there's not a lot of, you know, vegetable platters. Not out a lot of Super healthy Bowl choices. Today. Right, right, yep. right. Yeah. Um, although, uh, today is the highest day of consumption of avocados of any day of the year as well. That's, I mean, I, I know avocados are high in fat, but it, it's a good fat though, right? It is actually, yeah. Out, out of all the things, avocados is probably the best you can eat right there. You know, you couple that with a, you know, a fried chip that you're putting it on, but really it's at least one of those that, 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 that it is a good, healthy, um, a form of fat or source of fat. Yeah. Also, there you know, guacamole is also very good with a baked chip. Uh, I've done them with cucumber chips. Uh, you know, slices of uh, cucumber. I, I've, I've found some ways to get away from the guacamole with a piece of cucumber. Piece of cucumber, not just a chip. Yeah, like a chip no, 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 chip. not a yeah. chip, chip. But I mean, like a slice. You 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 scoop out the guacamole with, with the slice. The, a slice of yeah. cucumber. Oh, or you know, like a lettuce or a tomato. Certain lettuce, uh, like endive, is right. very easy to scoop with endive. I mean, there are some healthier choices that you can uh, make there. What about uh, the issue of COVID? And uh, Super Bowl Sunday, you know, it's going to be a gathering. It's going to be a lot of screaming and, you know, people uh, in pretty close proximity. It feels like we're in a much safer place now with COVID. But are we in situations like Super Bowl parties today? Yeah, you know, this is, last year at this time, obviously, we had much more concern than we do right now. Our COVID numbers are fairly stable right now. We wish vaccination rates were up a little bit, but they're not. But certainly, you know, here, it's not like you're going over to a party and you're just going to sit and talk, right? There's yelling, there's screaming, there's jumping up and down, there's high fives, there's hugs. Uh, so certainly the chance for exposure is certainly up there. But it, it is for influenza as well. I don't want people to, to say, gosh, you're going overboard on COVID again, um, because we still are seeing patients that are hospitalized. But it's just kind of use common sense. But certainly... If you're vaccinated, uh, we're in a much better position than we were a year ago. That's for sure. You know, you you and I sound like the last two people who will <laughs> ever get invited to a Super Bowl party. <laughs> now, <laughs> yeah, that's good point. It's like don't invite them. They're going to be watching everything that we eat. That's my seventh wing. <laughs> Right. It's the seventh wing. I think you've had two beers, and I know you gambled on this game. 930 calories and 14 grams of fat. And I know you bet on the over two minutes on the Super Bowl uh, National Anthem. It's 945. Your questions for Dr. Kevin Most, 312-981-7200. Next, Dr. Kevin Most, Chief Medical Officer, Central DuPage Hospital. On our text line, uh, Dr., uh, somebody else offers a suggestion for uh, alternative guacamole vessels. I, I had suggested uh, cucumber. Somebody here suggested a, a piece of cheese. Nice nice piece of cheese to uh, dip into the guacamole. That's a good idea, right? That's a very good idea, yeah. Get some, a little dairy there. You get a little vitamin D and, yeah. It's firm that's enough really, to hold it. a great it. idea. Yeah. It's firm enough yeah. to hold it. Right, right, yeah. Uh, if if you're you know I, I think you need to cut specific slices. You can't do your uh, you don't want to use you don't want to use Swiss. Well, it'll get all over your hands. Right, can't be that thin <laughs> or, or can't, holy. Can't be can't be that thin. Uh, it's hard to double. It's hard to double dip with cheese too. So you got that true. Ah, true. Yeah. Avoids the spread of uh, those germs. Exactly right. 
uh, as we try to, <laughs> to try to see who is a bigger Debbie Downer today, Doctor Kevin Most or me? <laughs> Which of us would you really not want to have at your Super Bowl party? Uh, this is Dawn on the phone with a question. Dawn, you're on WGN with Doctor Kevin Most. Hi, Dean. Hi, Doctor. This is not about recipes for um, the Super Bowl, but um, I have a question about, I got the shingles vaccine on a Friday. By Monday, I had shingles. Now, was that just bad timing? Ironic? I just don't, everybody says you don't get shingles from the vaccine. What's your opinion, please? Yes, you do not get shingles from the vaccine. You have to remember that. Anybody over the age of 50, I shouldn't say anybody, but about 99% of people over the age of 50 have that chickenpox virus living in their body. It's kept under control by our immune system. But we know that as we age, that immune system doesn't become as strong, and that's why we do the shingles vaccine. Very unusual that you would have it, and the timing of that would be extremely unusual. So was it a reaction to the vaccine where now you're just having some inflammation where that virus is? That's possible. But if it's full-blown shingles, that, that's just unusual timing. But the vaccine does not give you shingles. It cannot give you shingles. And actually, the virus that causes shingles is already in your body. We're not giving you anything more of that. So, unfortunate. I hope it's resolved. I know it's not a very comfortable illness. Um, but hopefully oh, no. This has been no fun for two weeks now. But yeah. a lot of it is scabbing up now. So Good. I guess it's almost over. Yeah, I've only heard yes. I've only heard how incredibly uncomfortable uh, that is, and uh, really, uh, uh, how often do you need to get a, a shingles vaccine, Kev? Well, once you fill, finish the series of two shots, and the Shingrix, the new one, is a very good, very effective vaccine. So I'm glad that you got it and, and get it because you can get shingles many times. You know, it's, it's there's no limit on how many times you can get it. So certainly getting the vaccine is very important, and it's a very effective so, vaccine. Get, um, so. The second vaccine in a couple of months still, or not bother with the second one? Oh, no, no, definitely wait a couple months and get that second one. Because like I said, that virus is going to continue to live in your system. So what your body has already shown you is that you don't have a great immune system to fight this. So the vaccine is going to build that immune system back up so you won't get it again. God forbid you didn't get the vaccine, and then 10 years from now or five years from now, you got another case of shingles. People have gotten multiple cases of shingles as they're stressed, as they're immunocompromised, as their immune system starts to decrease. So certainly complete the series to make sure that going forward, you're going to have plenty of antibodies to fight off any potential new cases. Once you get the series, the chance of you getting shingles drops dramatically. Don, thank you for your call on our text line from the 815 area code. Uh, Dr. Most, do you recommend intermittent fasting for weight loss? Boy, that sure is popular. People are doing this intermittent fasting. They claim they're getting good results. I, I've wondered how safe it is to deprive your body of nutrition for long periods of time like that. Yeah, it, it's very popular right now. People are going 16 hours, 12 hours, 14 hours, 18 hours in between meals. And really what happens is as the body starts to deplete the energy source it has, it starts to look for alternative energy sources. And that can go from the liver, where we have glycogen, which can be turned into glucose. And then also it turns fat 
into energy sources. So certainly many people feel it's a great way to do it. It's been very popular with some individuals. You have to remember, go back years ago when we were cavemen. This is how we did it, right? We had these long periods of time because we didn't have refrigerated foods. We didn't have stores. We didn't have all those things. So it's a somewhat healthy way that many people uh, do it, and it's been very popular. And I'm a proponent of it if you can do it. But most importantly is once you break that fast after 16 hours, are you eating healthy or are you just going backwards and adding a whole bunch more calories that aren't healthy, even though you think that the fast has helped you? Yeah, well, that was my other question with that is if you do the intermittent fasting and you do lose the weight, when you stop your intermittent fasting, is all the weight going to come back on? Yeah, chances are weight will come back on as it does with any diet when you break a diet because we fall back into bad habits and we fall back into eating things that we may have been staying away from for a while. You know, diet, just go into any bookstore or look online, you know, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of diet books. And uh, I'm one of not a fad diet kind of person saying, okay, you want to do intermittent fasting, that's okay. But really in the big terms, Look at what you're eating. Go to the DASH diet. Go to the Mediterranean diet where you're eating healthy foods that still taste good, but that are good for your heart, decrease your chance of stroke, decrease your chance of diabetes, and are sustainable. So it's more about what you're eating versus the timing of what you're eating. But people that want to lose weight, certainly intermittent fasting will be helpful. Dusty, you're on the air with Dr. Kevin Most on WGN. Hello. Hello. I was just listening to your explanation uh, to the other lady about the shingle shot, and um, you mentioned that it's always in your body. I get um, a lot of cold sores. Now, does that preclude me from getting shingles? No, it doesn't. Two different viruses, actually. So the cold sores are caused by, yeah, the cold sores are caused by a herpes virus that can, again, Live intermittently, stay within your body. When you get stressed, when you get you know a lot of sun exposure, that allows that virus to come out, and it's always going to almost be on your upper or on your lip. Whereas the other shingles is caused by the virus that causes chickenpox. So two totally different viruses that can live yeah. and continue to kind of stay in our body in a, in a kind of depressed state until they have an opportunity to come out. So. No, two totally different. Things. Sorry, even the sh- yeah, the shingle shot isn't going to make your cold sores go away either. Oh darn! Okay, Sorry. all right. Well, thank you very much. And, and there really is not, nothing that anyone can do about the the cold sores, aka herpes. Really, there uh, there still is no cure for that, right? Nope, no cure. There's you know medications that you can take. There's a medication called valcyclovir, which will shorten the duration. So people, when they start to feel the tingling sensation, they can start to take that medication. It's an antiviral. I strongly recommend you talk to your doctor about that because it can really shorten the duration and shorten the symptoms dramatically if started uh, early on. So that's probably one of the best things. But no, there's not going to be a cure for it. But certainly you can control the symptoms with early medication uh, once you start to feel that sensation that it's going to come out. Let's get uh, see if we can uh, get in uh, one more call here for Dr. Kevin Most. And Steve, you are on WGN. Hello. Morning. Hi, Dean. Hi, Dr. Most. Um, 
I have a quick question for you. I heard a quick blurb on the radio the other day about a study that's been done in Australia about people that have some extra protein in their lungs, and they've been immune to the COVID virus. And they were saying if they can get this protein uh, and kind of harness it, they might be able to introduce it into a vaccine for the rest of us. And I didn't know if you heard anything about it. I didn't hear the whole story. Yeah, it's really interesting because the, the additional protein and the genetics behind it, because it's, it's essentially a group of people that they found COVID really didn't have a big impact on them. Now, it's how do you build up those appropriate proteins versus how do you make a vaccine that's going to protect you from breaking down those? I think there's so many studies going on right now with COVID as far as what can we do to prevent, what can we do to potentially stop this in its tracks and treat it. Um, I think you're going to hear more and more and more. Um, This one, not a lot of science behind it yet, kind of a smaller study, but certainly one that has gained the attention. And that's the important thing is as even these smaller studies come out, now we can expand that to say, okay, what portion of this population and did they have the same increase in protein uh, that others have had. So certainly something that we're all looking at and trying to figure out exactly what's the best way to attack this illness and prevent this illness. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, thank you very much. At least I did hear some, like I said, it was just a quick thing I heard on the yeah. radio, and I wasn't sure exactly, you know, even how they got found out that there was an extra protein in the lungs of these people. Yeah, good to get a little more info on that, yeah. Steve. Thank you very much for your call. Dr. Kevin Most, as always, a pleasure to uh, talk to you. Enjoy your Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, have some wings. Have some wings and <laughs> yeah. queso cheese dip, if possible. <laughs> some pulled pork. I think, I think I just got an email getting disinvited from the party. I'm yeah, to, so, oh, you yeah. should see half of them on our text line right now about you, <laughs> you and I. <laughs> Dr. Kevin Most, always a pleasure. Have a great Sunday, Kev. Thank you. You got it. Take care. Still to come this morning, we've got the uh, stars of the new production of Les Miserables that will uh, be on with us. Jean Valjean and Fantine uh, will be uh, joining us. Are they uh, Jeff nominated? They are not Jeff nominated. (laughs) Like you are, you mean? Yeah, I didn't want to say anything. (laughs) But I did. did. Uh, Patrick Patrick Stewart from uh, Star Trek. Is he Jeff nominated? He is also not Jeff nominated, is it? <laughs> Never got a Jeff nomination. That's amazing. Never got a yeah. Jeff. Thank goodness you're here to <laughs> bring up the valuable award quotient on the show today. And uh, Schwan- Are you Jeff nominated? Uh, I am not. <laughs> okay. No, I've got a Silver Sow Award. But, the Silver Star, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Shwani, uh, I've got this helpful tip uh, for uh, Super Bowl Sunday today. Pass it along. Uh, if you are riding in the Goodyear Blimp today, be very careful because we're shooting stuff down out of the sky <laughs> like there's no tomorrow. <laughs> Cannot play this guitar. <laughs> Listen to him play that guitar. The greatest Super Bowl halftime show ever. Wow, that's quite hands guy. down, yeah. in my opinion. Right, Andy? I was there. I was there with. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, Dave Bennett and I were there covering the game because oh, it was oh, the, wow. smokes. the Bears and the Colts, and it was. Pouring rain. Pouring yeah, rain. right. It was exactly. just coming down. And Prince doesn't stop. No. And yeah. singing Purple Rain in, in the, the rain. rain. Yeah. I mean, it was just, he came out firing too. And it was, it was cool to watch him still move around the stage because it's one of those stages, obviously, that they bring out. It's temporary. And it was, I had to imagine it was slippery. And uh, he braved it and never stopped. So Great. that was at the Bull, that was the Bears yeah. Super Bowl year. That was in Miami. Yep. Oh, cool. 
And Billy Joel did the national anthem. It was a pretty star-studded uh, that was a game good, there. That was a, entertainment-wise. That yeah. was a great Super Bowl. Too bad the game didn't turn out. Well, that's <laughs> the uh, yeah. That's why I say it was a great star-studded performance. Yeah. <laughs> aside from Devin Hester uh, in the first five from Rex uh, Grossman, yeah. Prince, greatest Super Bowl halftime show ever. Wow. Whitney Houston, greatest Star Spangled Banner of all time. From the from uh, whatever year that was. That was ninety ninety one. Yeah, yeah. It was right the, during the Kuwait War, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then there was uh, there was uh, this halftime show uh, also. Wait a second. I don't know why I'm having trouble. You have the computer. You lost another 20 minutes off your show for the the errors. Right. right. <laughs> that is the question. But there's this one. I'm trying to think. Is, uh, Madonna did a great halftime show. Rolling Stones halftime. Springsteen did one. So Springsteen did one yeah. that was amazing. He was raining when he did it, too. Yeah. You, too, was out there once. Carol Channing. But a little hello, Dolly. She did what? She did, did she? She did the the early halftime shows. All oh, right, we're like were the, either marching bands, marching bands, or then they started bringing in. Did they really? Mickey Rooney did a halftime show oh, at one time. My God. But Carol Channing, you imagine in the middle of an NFL well, hello, game. Dolly. Diamonds are a girl. girl's best friend. <laughs> <laughs> so that must have been before Up with People. Because yeah, that's yeah, I remember one. that. Yeah. They did the uh, halftime show for the Bears Super Bowl twenty in New Orleans. They did it for years. They up did with a lot people. of them. Yeah, they did it for years. Up with that them. was that was they were the act. Yep, that's true. I wonder who was the first like pop artist. You know what I mean? Like when they went into that realm. Yeah, I had I'd read this. Uh, I don't remember. Because it's been at least twenty years now, if not longer, that they've been doing. That. I mean, Tom Petty did was it. it. Michael Jack was was it Michael Jackson? I don't know. Maybe because that's of like said. the superstar, right? The that's what super I mean. super like super. The, it's considered one of the the primo gigs of the year uh, to uh, play the Super Bowl, as opposed show. to you know the Arizona <laughs> State Marching Band. <laughs> the very the very first Super Bowl halftime show, University of Arizona. Symphonic marching band ah. featuring Al Hurt, the famous New Orleans trumpeter. <laughs> you know, looking back at this, Chubby Checker oh. did one in 1988. Oh. See, really, Super Bowl 22 in San Diego. Oh my gosh, Chubby and, Checker! Yeah, Chubby Checker did oh. New Kids on the Block. Oh. We're in 1991. I bet oh. that was good. I'll bet oh, that was. Right. I don't remember that, but I'll bet that was a good one. And that started a roll because then Gloria Stefan, Michael Jackson. Oh, so he was third. Yeah. In that little. Clint okay. Black and Tanya Tucker, then Patti LaBelle, Diana new, Ross. New kids were the first, though, of the, of the well, pop. Well, it seems like it. I mean, yeah. If you don't consider Chubby Checker, the. <laughs> well, if it was in 1954. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do the twist. Yeah. Again. So right. that, that would have been, uh, yeah, it would have been 1991. I believe that was the same. Uh, Time to Whitney Houston signed the national anthem for, for that game. Yeah, people on the text line are saying that the New Kids were the first pop yeah. group. Yeah, uh, could you? That. Um, that's a great trivia question because I never would have guessed the New Kids on the Block even would have come close. But they were huge at that mm-hmm. time. Aerosmith and Britney Spears. I do remember that. Yeah, yeah. that was Phil Collins. Phil Collins. Oh, Phil Collins. Yeah. Then. Wow. Jeez, I remember that. Yeah, those were fun. Those are all fun. Elton's never done it. How was that? I don't know. How has Elton John never done this? I don't know. I don't know why he's never, you know. I don't know if he's turned it down. I mean, it's it's kind of a, I mean, it's a great gig, but it's also a, you're really putting yourself up for scrutiny, and a lot of times it's always hard to match just because of you got 15 minutes to really, you know, do it. You know, I I read, too, that they they don't get paid by the NFL. The halftime acts do not get paid. They get a stipend to produce it, 
to bring their people in. And a lot of times, the stars themselves will be shelling out millions of dollars just to make sure the production goes That's well. That's probably why Elton hasn't done it. Then. But what the benefit is, <laughs> they say that the, the downloads and the streams of music right. after that goes up like 500%. Yeah, and oh, yeah. like Rihanna, for example, yeah. is going to do it today. She's got a new album that's coming out in a month or so. So it's all, you know, if you notice the pattern, whoever does the Super Bowl halftime show has yeah. a new album or tour. some kind of project, yeah. tour, something uh, that's coming up. It's, uh, you know, we're, look, when's the last time we talked about Rihanna here? We're right. talking about her now because uh, she's going to kill it on the Super I, I think she's going to be great on the halftime show today. Although it's very interesting. I was reading some articles about her performance, and, you know, she gave a little uh, press uh, conference what to expect on the Super Bowl halftime show, where basically she said nothing. Uh, she said, I'm going to do a collection of my songs. Yeah, really? my catalog. Yeah. Really? Yeah. No kidding. What a shock. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, so, so in some of these articles, you know, I went to the dreaded comment section, uh, <laughs> and it is so hate-filled. Really? And predominantly racist of people against her. Against her, against wow. her because we've we've moved quite a bit. Haven't we? Well, <laughs> you know that's the, that's the that's the the wild wild west uh, in the comments. That's what anonymity where, will do for you as where well. Where people can say whatever they want, and there's absolutely no consequence whatsoever. So uh, it's a shame. It's a shame that you know that's out there. Uh, she's. I, I think she's a fantastic artist performer. Uh, I think it's going to be a great halftime show. So, you know, why hate? <laughs> why hate when you can love? Why hate? <laughs> you know, when you can... You know what? If you want to direct your hate, that's why we brought Elton Jim in here, here today. <laughs> and it's been working. Direct your hate directly toward him. <laughs> Do you think that a rock act will ever be the Super Bowl halftime show anymore? Yeah, of course. Really? Of course. Well, I, I mean, cause what do you last... mean, because it's going to be hip-hop from Yeah, I mean, I think that the last several years have all been that. I, I just don't know if rock is a is a viable, for that for that audience that they're going at, which is certainly now a younger, you know, 20-something, 30-something, as, as hard as it is to say, rock is not their music at all. Uh, well, rock tends to be more classic rock. Yeah, I just I which don't... is geared toward uh, people who are probably above the age of forty. If now, that, no. if yeah. that, maybe maybe, maybe even 50, higher. Yeah. Uh, so for the audience that they're trying to get for these games, which are younger, yeah. eight, eighteen to thirty-five year olds, probably <laughs> hip hop is whether you're black or white or brown or whatever you are. Yeah. Hip hop is a very mainstream kind of music. It I know. I know for a lot of people, you don't like it, you don't get it, you couldn't care less about it. Uh, but for younger people, it is the music. It is as uh, common a music uh, part of part of your own culture, no matter what your background is, uh, as uh, anything could possibly be. Well, think about it. Rock and roll, even if you th- forget the, the Beatles back in the sixties, but even go to the seventies or even the eighties. That's forty years ago. So if right now you look at that, when you were that age, would you be listening to Rudy Valley? Right. <laughs> Well, if someone said, hello, yeah. yeah, so you wouldn't be, so why should they be listening to 50-year-old music Right. when we, you didn't listen to 50-year-old music in 1970? Yeah. <laughs> you know, the music evolves. Yeah. I watched the Grammy Awards, was it last week? I think it was. Yeah, Sunday. Yeah. Last uh, Sunday. And overall enjoyed it, but as, as I, I, I said 
before the ceremony was on. I know I was going to spend half the night going, I have no, no idea deal. who that is. <laughs> I have no idea what they're saying. And I suddenly become my dad when the Beatles came out going, uh, that's not music. Right, exactly. I don't know what that is. I don't Damn know what that garbage pop. is. That's not music. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, but uh, there is a, there's a lot of hip-hop uh, and rap music that I do like. And uh, a lot of it that I don't get, I don't understand. I try to keep an open mind with it, but... You know, some people like it and some people don't, and everybody can have their own taste. I'm just saying, when you read off these names, you and Andy were reading off those names. I mean, you know, it was the Backstreet Boys, and it was, you know, we were talking about Springsteen and, and Prince and, and, and stuff like that. And, and now, as I said, that music is older. And so I'm just looking ahead going, I mean, when you've got Rihanna and you've had the Black Eyed Peas, and you, you, that, that's, that's where the culture is now. That's pop music. I get a, I mean, I get, a, I get a, a subscription to Rolling Stone, and I mean, I don't even know who the cover people are. <laughs> the cover people, right? That should be the biggest names. That, you and, know. And, the, and it is. It, yeah. And they the, and are every, the biggest names. But when I look at it, I'm like, never yeah. heard of it. Sorry, we're aged out. Yeah, totally. We, and and they don't care. Out. We're invisible. And they don't care if we're invisible. <laughs> we, are, we are not the target audience. At all. Not as, even close. As you say, when, when we were listening to <laughs> the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, right. uh, you know, yeah. Elton, yeah. Elton, Elton John, John, whatever. Billy Joe, yeah, anyway. You know, all yeah. of them, uh, you know, our parents were like, wow, I like Benny Goodman. Exactly. I like, yeah. you know, that's... Glenn Miller. And that's, and ladies and gentlemen, that's where we are now. <laughs> exactly. Uh, once again. Uh, what, what, our music is old music. We are... What's, <laughs> what, what goes around comes yes. around, it's here. Yeah. The come around is, is here. Deal with it. Here yeah. right now. It looks like the last rock group that did it was uh, The Who in 2010. 2010. Yeah. <laughs> 2010. I don't See? Because then who was the next year? Do you have the list? Yeah, Dan? Black Eyed Peas were yeah, the next see, year. There you go. And that pretty much started it. Then. And then it went to Madonna. Well, that she's kind of yeah. a... And yeah. then Beyonce and Bruno Mars. And there we go. Perry and right. Coldplay, Lady Gaga, Justin Coldplay. Timberlake, Maroon Coldplay. 5. Isn't Coldplay a rock and roll band? Yeah, I think they're yeah. more of alternative, I guess. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I don't know the genres anymore. Uh, you kids <laughs> in your damn I don't know the genres. Kids in with your their hibbity, jibbity rock and roll. Give me the pop. 80s. Where are the 80s? <laughs> Where's Boy George? Somebody play Last Train to Clarksville. Now, this was Gnarls Barkley, right? Yeah. Look at me. Knowing the hip hop. What's his. Uh, well, this isn't exactly. CeeLo. CeeLo Green. Yeah, CeeLo. CeeLo. Right. Yeah. It's not really hip hop music. I, would I call think this would... more R&B music. Well, there's. I think there's kind of a thin line. Don't you love two white guys talking about <laughs> the definition of hip hop? White splaining. <laughs> Here we are, white splaining the the hip hop music. The hip hop. The hip hop. Uh, yes, you know what? Some people like. I mean, on our. I'm looking at the our text line, and you know, some people hate it, uh, hate everything about it, uh, and uh, some people. There are some people on our text line going, check out this band, check out that band. You know, they're they're naming uh, hip hop bands. Are you a big Bad Bunny fan? I actually am a you big like the Bad Bunny fan. Big bad, big bad Bunny. Do you know B- Bad Bunny, or do you just know the funny name that I know? I I don't think I've ever heard. It's of Latin. Him. It's Latin. Oh, is that what he is? It's Latin hip hop music. I didn't know. I that. actually do like. Well, it. like in Elton's commercial for Doritos, uh, he will be with this. Who's Jack Harlow? Jack Harlow is a uh, kind of a rock hip hop. Yeah. Well, he's in the uh, in the spot. Yeah. Yeah. Also an actor, by the way. I saw him on Saturday Night Live. Jack Harlow uh, is in this new version of White Man Can't Jump. 
Oh, they're doing a new version? There's, yeah. Is he doing the Woody Harrelson? He's doing the Woody Harrelson uh, version of that, yeah. Hmm. Uh, yeah, so you know it'll it, it's uh, all going to be interesting. So this, uh, you know, we're talking about uh, Jeff nominated. If you weren't listening earlier, uh, Elton Jim, for, the artist formerly known as Elton Jim. <laughs> yeah, I've uh, got to be now, going. Now. I've got to be more legit now. What's your middle initial? J. So we call uh, James J. Toronto. Uh, <laughs> Toronto, Thespi- no, Toronto. Sorry, <laughs> uh, is now a, uh, a Joseph Jefferson Award nominee for the role that he performed last year in uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. As George. So, so congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. you. Yes, I'm very excited, yeah. and I uh, was very surpri- surprised, and I got one of my first... I found out pretty much from you in an email. You were incredulous. You said, I was shocked wow, that anyone would acknowledge... Wow, do you know that you're, that you're, not, you're actually nominated <laughs> for a Jeff Award? I was shocked that... <laughs> He's questioning now the validity of all Jeff Awards. No, my, <laughs> I did send you a, a, a note because I knew you were, you were on vacation. Yeah. I, I knew you were in Egypt, so yeah. I didn't know if you had gotten the word. I didn't. So I sent you an email telling you that you were... Uh, a uh, got nominated, yeah. But I did send you an all caps wow. <laughs> not sounded... not because I was shocked that you were nominated. Oh, okay. It felt. I that just way. knew how happy you would. Oh, be. I was. Uh, yeah, I'm ecstatic. I'm still. I'm still processing it because it is quite an honor. It really. I mean, the the, the Jeff Award is like the Tony Award of Chicago of, of Chicago or the Oscar. It's at that level it's the, for Chicago it's theater. It's the awards they give out for the, the excellence in Chicago theater. Yeah. And just to be nominated, I mean, we know how many productions are, are go on yeah. in the Chicago area. To be nominated, to be among the, the five or ten uh, productions which are cited in this is quite the accomplishment. Yeah, so. and in addition to me getting one uh, individually, um, I, I must say that uh, two of my co-stars, Andrea Upling and, uh, and Rachel Livingston, also... Uh, got nominated and our play got uh nominated for best play for best ensemble yeah, best yeah, very, director very nice seven nominations so very, that's pretty good that's very nice it was really it was a, a, a very we when we were in rehearsals early on i think we all felt it was a very special show and and when we got up uh you know in, in front of an audience we really got some amazing reviews that were just we couldn't believe how positive and they were right there with us and so um i was Really, just happy to see that uh, this show, which played last summer, that people it stuck with people, right? To be remembered, got some acknowledgement, and and now is being uh, recognized. So now, when are the awards going to be given? March twenty seventh at the Park West. Oh, okay. I think there's a red carpet. Oh, very nice. My wife's going to have to buy a dress, and I'm going to have to wear a tux. And wow, I might wear the glasses I wore as George as a little homage homage to my character yeah. um Very but nice. uh, and as they say it is i mean now that i'm sort of in that the category it is an it is really an honor to be you always hear that, that that but it you know what of course it would it be is. nice to bring home some hardware <laughs> <laughs> i'd like to it, i think it's better to win but uh i mean i, I was gonna ask you now should i write an acceptance speech yes yeah, I always yell at these people when I'm watching all these awards. Like, write a speech so you're not up there. So I mean, I think I really have to. I mean, this is all new to put me. A, just put a little few thoughts yeah. in your head yeah. t- together. You don't have to have. Well, like you know a, me though. Oh, I'm going to have like seven pages. Yeah, well, it's, it's the reason why I've already made plans to do something else that night. Lay Miz is uh, coming back to Chicago 
February 15th. It opens at the Cadillac Palace Theater and will be here until uh, March the 5th. And we are so happy to have two of the primary actors uh, in the show on the line with us here today. Nick Cartel plays Jean Valjean in the show. Nick, welcome to WGN. Thank you so much for having me this morning. Nice to have you here, and also Haley Dorch, who plays uh, the role of Fantine. Haley, welcome to... Uh, you're, you're, you're both not in Chicago yet, right? Not yet. But on your way... Correct. We are finishing our run in Baltimore today, ah, okay. uh, but we get there next week. They're in France. Oh, that's right. <laughs> of course. Of course. Of course they are. Yes, of course. Yes. <laughs> Um, Nick, I know that you are a, a, a veteran. You have played uh, Jean Valjean in the past. What, what's it like taking on this uh, iconic and powerful role? You know, it, this is the, it, it's a life-changing role. It really is. And, you know, I was very fortunate to do uh, the show pre-pandemic. Um, and, you know, at the end of that, um, I left uh, after two and a half years, and I was just, I was just, you know, I was ready to leave, but also my wife and I were going to have a baby. Um, and now to be able to come back post-pandemic as a father, it has definitely changed, you know, oh, wow. moments of the show for me. Of um, but it's also, I feel like right now this show is, is more relevant than ever, just after everything that the the world as a whole has gone through because of the pandemic. It, it really feels like this story, which is, you know, a story of redemption and love, but truly is about also survival of the human spirit, um, it really echoes to what the world is going through. I, I You know, I, I've seen the show many times. I never even thought in my head, uh, how would an actor who's just had a child, uh, you know, react or, you know, be changed by taking on this role and singing that song, Bring Him Home? Uh, that, yeah. That's got to be one <laughs> of the more moving parts of the show for you now, I would think. It really is. And, and to think about the sacrifices as a father that I would make for, you know, my little girl. Um, and then, you know, how that echoes with the sacrifices that Eljean makes for his adopted daughter, Cosette. Yeah. It really brings it full circle. And Haley, what, what about for you now? This is also a, such an iconic role as uh, Fantine. Uh, talk to me a little bit about stepping into these shoes uh, and, and taking yeah. this on in your uh, your national tour debut, I, as I understand. It is. It's, it's my national tour debut. Um, I'm currently still enrolled at the University of Michigan um, in my junior year. Um, so it's definitely some big shoes to fill, but it's all exciting and thrilling. Um, there are a lot of great names that have come before me in this role, and it's an honor to continue to give a different interpretation to what this role means to me and to other people who get to watch it. Do you have to study for your biology test, too? (laughs) (laughs) I'm currently not taking classes online now. (laughs) A lot of us just worked at a grocery store or was a waiter or something like that while we were still in school. You're on a national tour. I was a barista a few months ago. (laughs) A long way. (laughs) Of course. Of course. Um, Talk to me a little about the staging of this show. I mean, it's, uh, you know, such a, a, an iconic traditional staging. Is, uh, is this show done that way, or uh, have they made some retweaks for uh, a revised version now that's uh, going around the country? 
Tell, well, if you saw the show the last time that we played Chicago, because we we played Chicago a couple times in the past, um, we now instead of that turntable that was kind of iconic in the in the eighties, nineties, early two thousands, we've done away with that, and now we have these beautiful projections um, and this beautiful set design uh, that really helps to bring you into our world. So you're going to feel like you're marching down the streets of Paris with the students heading off to this revolution. Um, you're going to feel like you're in the factory um, when, you know, at the beginning of the show. So we have, while we have done away with that turntable, we've gained these beautiful, beautiful renderings, beautiful watercolor. Um, and it really, for me, it, it's thrilling. And, and to get to see it every night, it, it still gives me goosebumps. Yeah. Haley, how about uh, for you taking on this role? Is this kind of a, a traditional uh, performance of Fantina? How do you kind of make this your own? Um, I think, you know, just given my lived experience being younger, you know, I'm only 21. Well, just turned 21 a few weeks ago. And um, being a woman of color, I just automatically have a different interpretation just through my lived experience of this role. Um, and so I hope that what I bring to the stage kind of gives people a different lens to what this role is and, and what it looks like from here on out. Um, but, yeah, it's a, like I said earlier, it's a it's big shoes to fill, but it's, it's quite an honor. Let me take a quick break. We'll come right back and talk more with Haley Dorch, uh, Fantine, and Nick Cartel, Jean Valjean, and the new production Les Miserables coming to the Cadillac Palace Theater starting on the 15th of february and it'll be here until march the 5th i'll tell you how to get tickets and so forth all coming up in just a few minutes the new production of les mis uh, comes to the cadillac palace theater on february 15th that's this coming wednesday wednesday and we'll be here uh, in chicago until march the 5th nick cartel is uh, now jean valjean returning to that role and Haley dorch uh, Fantine in the production. I give you uh, both credit coming to Chicago uh, in February, uh, where anything could happen weather-wise. <laughs> yeah, true that. <laughs> yeah, but it's been the forties. I mean, it's not too bad. It's been very nice, but uh, still, you, you know, you just you never oh, know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Our uh, weekend theater. Segment. I pulled out the big winter coat this morning you just are, to be safe. You are a smart man, Nick. You are a very smart man. For that. You've clearly have been here before. Uh, our weekend, a couple times, yes. <laughs> yeah, our weekend theater segment sponsored by uh, Chicago Shakespeare's Weathering Heights. Uh, I don't know if you know uh, 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 Jim Toronto, who is uh, in with me uh, today, is uh, also a, a local actor, and uh, he was just nominated for a Joseph Jefferson Award, which is the Chicago version of the Tonys. Uh, he uh, just played George in Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, and uh, now he's a big shot. Now I, <laughs> he insists that I call him Jeff Award nominated actor uh, James Toronto whenever I, I speak to him. But you know, it's interesting that you asked him that same question because I was go I was getting into a, a role that is just as iconic. I mean, Richard Burton has played this role, and Tracy Letts, and and it is interesting, like both Haley and Nick have said, that you do have to try to find a way to make these roles your own because so many people have and and i i don't know about you did you feel responsibility to those other actors that have come before you not just for yourself but to say that you 
that uh, you want to do them proud because you're stepping in the shoes that, that they were in before? That's a good good question. 100%. This is, this is just like 100%. inside the Actors Theater now. <laughs> my, I've, got those, I've got those big blue uh, yeah. card questions that Lipton right. had. Right, right. <laughs> Sorry, Nick. Go ahead. What's um, your favorite it, swear no, word, no, Nick? It, <laughs> <laughs> Don't answer no, that. But it really is true. I mean, when... when when you think about the, you know, especially for the role of Jean Valjean, when you think about the men that have played this role, Cole Wilkinson, Alfie Bow, Hugh Jackman in the movie, right? I'm, and, and anybody, I can tell you that when somebody comes to see Les Mis, immediately they fall in love with certain characters, and then that is what they think the character should be and how it should be played. So not only do we have a responsibility to those that have played the role before us, but you're right, we do have to make the role our own. And we have to bring our own thoughts and feelings and, and attention to detail. Um, and so it is a big task, um, but it's also, I feel like it's very thrilling for an actor to be able to go in and reinvent a role that's been played by so many people and figure out the way to make it your own. Uh, Haley, how about you? How do you feel about that? I mean, absolutely everything that Nick just said. There's some massive names tied to the role of Fontaine, just musical theater superstars. I mean, Anne Hathaway, who played it in, mo- in the movie, this is what she won the Oscar for. Right, so right. It, it's, it's kind of a, a nerve-wracking feeling to think, you know, this is what people come in and expect to see and what they hope to see because they've seen their favorites do it. And, um it, it kind of feels like we do have a responsibility to live up to that, but also to bring our own meaning, like Nick said, to it, because, you know, it's our, our, our story that we're, our new story that we're portraying to these audiences. Um, do you but, watch, do you watch any of those previous performances? Oh. <laughs> Absolutely. I was just watching them last night, actually. I kind of fell down a deep hole of, uh, lame is I dreamed a dream clips. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because a lot of actors won't do that. But I always feel that I, when I've done a role that that is as iconic and that people do come to the theater already having a, an impression of, and it's your job to hopefully, you know, make them forget it, like you said. But also, you don't want to you don't want to uh, you know make them feel that they're alienated because you've done it so different that if they love that character i think there are certain expectations yeah that that people come in with that you 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 come in with and you want uh the uh, the actor who plays george bailey right, exactly in that version of uh, it's a wonderful life that plays here every christmas time he he's a great exactly. great actor but he's got to he's got to bring a little jimmy stewart to it cuz that's what you expect going in hey i'm not afraid to i mean like well, i said I, mean, I i watched richard burton and i watched other people that have played george i didn't copy them but i also right. said Wow, that was a great. That's a cool choice. Yeah. Why shouldn't I use that? Right. So, right. so your nomination is kind of and I think what, what, stolen. Then, yeah, so, hey, if you're going to steal, us, steal. What's, yeah. Help, yeah. <laughs> what's helpful for us as as you know being in a musical is that the music also does so much of that for us, right? You have these iconic songs like True. "Dream to Dream" and "Bring Him Home" and "One Day More" and "On My Own" that people walk in already knowing and already loving and already appreciating. So then, when we do them. Hopefully, we are are doing them justice, um, and we're we're getting to to reinvent and bring our own way of doing it, which I, is helpful for us because they're already in love with the story and they're in love with the song. Talk to me uh, a little bit uh, about what's going on backstage. This has always been uh, a very busy production on stage. I can only imagine what kind of complete pandemonium must be going on backstage 
trying to get everything ready. Uh, Nick, can you can you just kind of you know walk us through uh, what you are experiencing before you ever even step out onto the stage? I mean, I wish I wish that we could sell tickets <laughs> so that the audience could see what was happening backstage because <laughs> that is almost as impressive as what is happening on stage. The amount of you know crew and dressers and costume changes that are happening in the blink of an eye. Um, it is some of the fastest changes that are happening on a tour. It's some of the fastest changes um, that are that are happening during this show, from wigs to costumes and makeup, all of it. So it is very. It's all choreographed too. So if you are out of out of space, tumble will move you into the correct space so that you don't get run over by a stair unit that's moving off. <laughs> it's it's really really cool to see, and and I just wish that the audiences could see what we're having to do backstage and the dance that we're having to do backstage while doing that dance on stage. And, you know, there's a whole set being reset upstage behind our sliders while something's happening downstage. So yeah. it's, it's very thrilling. I've always wanted to, I, I've, I've asked for as long as I've been covering entertainment in Chicago, I have asked, can I come backstage with a camera crew and just, you know, let's record what's going on backstage so people can get an idea of you know what it's like making the sausage i guess you might say uh and i've been turned down every single time because i don't think the theaters want to spoil the magic of you know uh, of the the beauty of what happens on stage with the complete pandemonium that's going on backstage at the time Haley, what's it like for you a relative newcomer to all of this to uh ex- I mean, experience that pandemonium i it's thrilling (laughs) like nick said if only we could sell tickets to see what's going on backstage um because it's it's a show in itself there's there's so many different elements and different parts and people working behind the scenes to make sure that it just goes effortlessly seamlessly um i mean you walk backstage top a show there are just costumes piled onto chairs for these quick changes that we have we have just wigs on wigs on wigs um, and so many moving parts backstage and so many brilliant technicians that are making it all happen. And thank God for our stage management team to really hold down the fort. Um, I mean, what is happening backstage truly is a a magic show that any of it can happen. Those are truly the unsung heroes of theater, period. The people backstage uh, that make all of these things happen seamlessly uh, so you can come Absolutely. out, come on on stage, and you know do your performances. Do you have favorite moments, uh, Haley, in the show? I do have favorite moments. I, I mean, I might be biased, but I dreamed a dream is really fun <laughs> for me. Um, <laughs> Hopefully, I also say, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, I also really love um, the end of the show, the epilogue. Um, I think it just sounds angelic and i love that we finally get to you know speak to the audience one-on-one and ask them to join in our crusade and and make the world change the way they want to see it change um i think it's a really beautiful message and it really ties up what the entire show is about um and so i would say that is my favorite moment of the show but i do have quite a few favorite moments nick nick how about for you I, I feel the same way. There's there's a lot of moments that I love. Um, for me, probably my my absolute favorite moment is being able to sing "Bring Him Home" every night. Um, just the ability to just just sit in this in the 
craziness that can be Les Mis, right? The, the whirlwind of this story and the whirlwind of the show that there's a moment where my character can just sit and can connect with his version of what God is. And at the same time, I can sing this beautiful, iconic song with an orchestra. And it's, it is, it, for me, it, it is a moment where I really connect. And it, like I've talked about before, the full circle moments, that's the moment where I come full circle um, with the show and with what I've gone through and, and you know, my journey into Valjean. Um, but then I also just, I always love the, the intimate moments. Um, like Haley was talking about, the, the epilogue, right? There's a, there's a very touching moment that I have with Cosette as Fontaine is looking on. And it, it, it is one of the most beautiful moments in the show for me. And, and so I hope that the audience, while they enjoy the big moments that we have and the big singing, can also appreciate the smaller, more intimate moments that really also show the true heart within this story. Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, I think those are my favorite moments as an audience member as well. The show is so big and, you know, just has all the bells and whistles. It's what you go to theater for, uh, the, this kind of, you know, visceral experience. Uh, but then Bring Him Home will come on, <laughs> and it's this very solitary, touch-your-soul kind of moment uh, that uh, in many ways stands out you know, as big or bigger than uh, some of the flag-waving <laughs> uh, full cast moments on stage. Have you got got a chance? Have you had a chance to meet Cameron McIntosh, who is the uh, you know legendary producer of this? We have, we have, both of us have. uh, We actually, we Haley and I, right at the kickoff of the tour, we were doing uh, a press event together, and uh, Cameron was there obviously because the tour was kicking off, and so uh, we got to meet him. Um, I had met him before back in 2017 when we took the show out then, but to get to to meet with him and greet him and see him again, and then to also be there when Haley got to meet him for the first time, was it was really thrilling. But not only Cameron, we we got to meet and sit and have conversations with the with the composer and the lyricist, Claude Michel Schoenberg and Alain Gublio, and the fact that they are still such a part of making this show what it is, helping to launch this tour and really being there and with their expertise and their love of this story. Um, it was at one of those pinch me, I uh, can't believe this is my life moment. No Victor hey. Hugo, though, huh? <laughs> no Victor Hugo. No, you know, unfortunately. Yeah. Haley, Haley, when you met uh, Cameron McIntosh, did you go, I was a barista last month. <laughs> now, now I'm meeting Cameron McIntosh. I can't believe it. How do you get a role? How does a, how does a junior in college get this role? Well, it's actually really funny. I was auditioning for Summer Stock Theater. You know, it's typically what you do in college. And I was looking for roles on Playbill.com, where they just kind of list auditions that are available. And um, they had listed an open call for Les Mis. And I knew some of the songs. I figured the worst that they can do is say no. I was a non-equity actor, so they possibly wouldn't even watch my video. But I submitted anyway, and... You know, the rest is history. That's fantastic. <laughs> uh, Haley Dorch is Fantine, Nick Cartel, Jean Valjean. The production of Les Mis, Les Miserables, is coming to the Cadillac Palace Theater this coming Wednesday, and will play through March the 5th. If you want to see a classic piece of 
uh, musical theater, this is the one to catch. Uh, for ticket information, go to broadwayinchicago.com. Guys, have uh, a safe trip to Chicago, and we look forward to seeing you when you're here. Thank you. Looking forward to it. to get there. Thanks so much, guys. Yeah, they're going to be on the WGN uh, Midday News with me, and we'll be, uh, I'll be asking them the exact same questions. <laughs> Are you more excited for the Super Bowl or the Puppy Bowl, Shawnee? The puppy bowl. I'll have to say the Super Bowl, even though I love little puppy dogs. Aren't you rooting for the Dachshund? <laughs> Is that code for something? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't even know what that means. It sounds wrong. The corgi? Oh, he's bet on the corgis. <laughs> I guess some of the puppy, I don't, I don't know if it's the puppies who are competing or they're just going to feature other puppies. Oh, that, don't you ever watch that? I have, but... They kind of run around and they pretend like they're... No, I know, no I, know, I know that, but they're going to be featuring puppies that are up for adoption. Right. So I don't know if those... Are those going to be the puppies that are competing? The would, adoptable ones? I or, would hope so. You want, you want to see them in action? Wouldn't you want to adopt a quarterback? I like to test drive my puppy before. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I, which also sounds wrong, by the way. <laughs> Wouldn't you like to adopt the the Tom Brady of puppies? I'm sure you can bet it somewhere. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, we don't have a problem with yeah. gambling. Not at all. Betting on poor little puppy dogs. That's still on, though, right? The, the puppy, puppy bowl. Yeah, yeah. Is it on during halftime again, or the? No, they, it's. No. Uh, uh, I think it's one o'clock. Because they used to try to like counter program. Yeah. yeah. Against the halftime show. Yeah, and then they decided there's no point yeah, in trying to go stupid. up against the actual halftime <laughs> show. And then there was the Bud Bowl. For a long oh, time. Oh, the Bud Bowl. Right. Remember that? I forgot about the Bud Bowl. That was so stupid. Um, yeah, yeah all, Dean? That's all I got. <laughs> okay. You are quite the sportsman, <laughs> Dean. <laughs> I got nothing. Shwani and I are both on the same level. Of, <laughs> got nothing else. Uh, how about that Patrick Mahomes? <laughs> Hey, good one. Hey, good one. Yeah, yeah, but, right. now, but name the quarterback for the Eagles. Okay, I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> no idea. Love hurts. Yeah. You need some Jaylen recipes hurts. for appetizers today? Love. That I got. There you go. That I got. Uh, coming up, we are going to be talking with uh, Patrick Stewart. Oh, I thought you were uh, say Patrick Mahomes. Well, that would, see, that would be nice, except I would have no idea what to ask him. How are you? What's your favorite color? <laughs> if you were a tree, uh, no, Patrick Stewart from Star Trek, uh, his uh, Star Trek Picard series is winding up. We uh, were able to sit down with him one-on-one. Will you make it so? And that is coming right up. 11-12. This is Dean Richards, Sunday morning on WGM. This isn't a subtle hint at... The quality of the show today, is it? No. <laughs> we're sinking that we've been hit by an iceberg. That we're sinking. No more than any other Sunday, really. Uh, Elton Jim Toronto is here. <clears throat> oh, the uh, Joseph Jefferson Award nominated actor, James J. Toronto. Thank you. Oh, brother. <laughs> This is going to be a long time until these awards You don't want me to win. Up. You don't want me to win, do you? <laughs> it's going to be a long time until these awards come out. Andy Mazur, of course, with his pre-Super Bowl coverage today. Do you have a pre-Super Bowl coverage today? I do not. <laughs> I do All not. Right. All right. My pre-Super Bowl coverage will be going home and preparing for said Super Bowl myself. What will Andy be eating today? 
Uh, I'm going to be going to a local uh, Wrigley Field watering hole. Oh, look and, at you. Uh, they specialize in a, in a pizza that I really love. Mm. So you're just going to be with the with the normal people, no, like with the civilians. With, I like to hang out with people during during big with games. With the civilians. Like well, I yeah. don't know what this pizza is. Yeah, what pizza is it? Well, I'll give them a free plug, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Bishwani. Yeah, it's uh, Yoxie's. They have this oh, chicken tang yeah. pizza that they make, which is... Instead of the uh, pizza sauce, they use their wing sauce. Buffalo sauce. And they put little chunks of uh, chicken in there, and it's fantastic. That sounds absolutely so delicious. So good. I do like a barbecue chicken. The barbecue chicken pizza, pizza that I make, uh, that I grill uh, every year. Do you do that? By f- Oh, I've done it on TV several times. Uh, that's my favorite. It is by far the mo- most favorite pizza recipe that I do. It's just it's just barbecue sauce. I know, but it's it's And uh, roasted chicken, but... Andy, I like this upgrade with the bu- oh, with the buffalo sauce. It, it's so good, and uh, you know it, it does encourage you to drink a little bit <laughs> because of the hotness of it at, some, at right. certain times. Well, you know they say milk is the best thing. To yeah, that's a good point. When that's you're point. Uh, when you're having the buffalo sauce. For for those of you uh, having the the wings today, you know the buffalo wings. Uh, milk brings down the heat on that. Uh, just one more reason never to invite me to your <laughs> yeah, Super Bowl listen, party. You're way too logical. <laughs> you're like, telling earlier with Dr. Kevin Mosh, you're telling me how many uh, calories are in each right. wing. Now you're telling me to drink milk. Right. It was the, it was the bald guy serving milk to everybody. <laughs> and counting who calories. In, who invited him? Hey, it does a body good. <laughs> it's good for you. It is good for you. Wouldn't you think that the milk would, like... Would would not mix with all that oil and everything that's bring, going on. It brings down the heat, brings down the brings down. The, but the uh, the deliciousness of well, a buffalo wing, absolutely delicious. Oh yeah. But uh, I can't wait to try this uh, pizza. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a pizza with the the buffalo sauce today. And uh, no, not today. Oh okay. Not today. I'm in full work mode today. Oh, that's true. No. Yeah. Man, you know, it's, it's thin crust. It's, it's really good. Mm. It sounds good. Yeah, really good. Shwani, what about you? Shwani's very quiet today. Yeah, what's have your you, deal, Jay? Have you noticed you're preoccupied? Professor, Professor Schwan? You... I'm working on my doctoral dissertation, and I have a newsroom to run. <laughs> oh, oh, brother. Listen to this. Oh, brother. I thought it was thick in here with Toronto. <laughs> Are you going to be celebrating the Super Bowl at all today? Yes. In what manner? He's going to Mantoon. I'm going to have a <laughs> light salad with sprouts. Wow. You, you think crazy, Super Bowl, man. You think sprouts, don't you? you crazy. So weird. <laughs> a little touch of green pepper. With a citrus vinaigrette. With a citrus vinaigrette. <laughs> Raspberry. Right. Raspberry citrus vinaigrette. <laughs> with some kale. Mm, I like kale. I do, too. I, I love it. That's why I'm having it for my Super Bowl. Uh, oh, you're dinner. not even joking. <laughs> no, I am joking. Oh, okay. Yes. I actually don't know what I'm going to uh, be doing yet. Now, mostly, Number of options. Mostly I'm in work mode today because I'm going to be, you know, I got to keep an eye on the commercials. I got to write down the times of everything. I got to, you know, plan my, how I'm going to recap it all tomorrow morning on TV. Boy, you're just busy, busy, busy. I wow. am busy. Well, I talk about climbing there, Mount Everest. There is no off switch <laughs> <laughs> here on the Uncle Dean machine. Did you see him at the party? Everybody's having a good time and he's over there going, quiet! I don't, I've got to write down this time. I, I don't allow, I, I don't, I, I used to have people over for Super Bowl, for the Oscars, for the Grammys. Uh, nobody wants to come to my house anymore. Gee, I wonder why. I do tell people to shut up because I'm <laughs> I'm trying to write things. I'm, you know, like I'm, I'm kind of working a little was bit. Was that Ben Stiller? <laughs> Who was that? <laughs> Stop talking. We know the dip is good. 
Uh, was that Snickers or or, or or a Milky Way? What what was that? But while the game is on, I can you know goof around. So I am going to be cooking during the show today. I'm going to be making uh, a Greek lamb chops. Ooh, wow. I'm going to be making a kind of a Greek, uh, I guess you might say like a kind of a Greek ratatouille with uh, uh, zucchini and eggplant and onions. And Just carrots. for yourself? Just, you know. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> what's wrong with that? <laughs> a whole plate of it, it'll just <laughs> yeah, it just so sounds have, a little elaborate. Well, so I, have, I, I, I bought some lamb chops yesterday. <laughs> they, they look good in the stores. Like, and I'm gonna I'm gonna make this other I'm stuff. Greek these up, biryani, it's called. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I'll have some leftovers. Nice. What's wrong with that? Yeah, it just seems you're like pretty your, elaborate. It is elaborate. It is, yeah. but super easy to make. You just cut up the vegetables and put them in the oven. There's nothing to it really, but. That's what I'm going to be. Oh, doing. the ratatouille. The yes, basically. So vegetable, kind of a vegetable casserole. Yes. Um, so about ten minutes ago, I played that Titanic song. <laughs> there was, was there a tie-in there somewhere? Was a, there was a reason for, for that. The 25th anniversary of Titanic is uh, back in theaters again. Wow, 25. They've, years. they've taken the movie, they put it back up on the big screen again. I see. They, they changed the ending. It doesn't sink. <laughs> that's a that's a twist. Um, the uh, it, it be, they've digitally remastered it. It's supposed to look great and sound great. Uh, I remember when the movie came out, people were going to see it ten, thirteen times because everyone was so you know in love with Leonardo DiCaprio and they wanted to you know go back and support the film. It's why it's one of the biggest selling movies of all time. I took up drawing because of that movie. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> Sketching, just getting, getting complete strangers right. on a couch somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Ooh, interesting. Um, when the movie came out, Spike O'Dell and I hosted. A Last Meal on the Titanic Dinner. Oh, there, my god! There was a book that came out of what food they served on the Titanic. And we recreated the menu, and we served it at the old Magnum's restaurant on Ontario, I guess it is. I think it's not there anymore. So that sunk, too. So we, well, the restaurant <laughs> did, but our Titanic Dinner sold out instantly. We wound up doing three Titanic Dinners. Because people were, uh, they you know, people were coming dressed up in period costumes and enjoying the same food that the people enjoyed right before they right died. Before they died. <laughs> right before they died on the uh, Titanic. So some good memories. Did the you, place sway at all? It, we no. should have. We should yeah. have done that. Yeah, we should have done that. We had Titanic historians. We brought in artifacts from the Titanic. It was uh, really fun. Really. Did you have like? Did you spray the the water the floor with water? Yeah, so that people could get a sense. We that they sprayed were people as they were coming in. We put a garden hose on them. Yep. Uh, Spike so, Odell. Spike Odell. I mean, look at that. There's 25 years ago. How man. about that? Isn't wow. it, isn't that crazy? How the time goes by. I thought you'd say Wally Phillips. The uh, if you're interested in the the menu, uh, if you go on Google and you put last last meal of the Titanic, it'll come right up, and you can see some of the recipes in case in case you want to stage your your own last night of the Titanic dinner. <laughs> Uh, at home uh, yourself it's eleven twenty-one. coming up chicago theater week is about to begin we're going to talk about that next mm. love a bowl of soup but uh we'll get some uh, new ideas for some new recipes uh coming up this is uh, Sh- uh chicago theater week is about to uh, kick off and uh, joining us on the line to uh, talk about it Marissa Lynn Ford, the uh, uh, CEO of the League of Chicago Theaters. Marissa, nice to have you back on the show. Hello. 
Hello, so glad to be here. You know, I like a tomato soup myself. Oh, nice. <laughs> tomato, I made a tomato basil soup. Got to have that with the grilled cheese. Grilled cheese yeah. sandwich goes, oh, perfect, perfect. Unfortunately, we don't have time to talk about Chicago <laughs> Theater Week anymore. <laughs> uh, this, all, this all kicks off uh, 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 pretty soon, right? Yes, this week, we're so excited. This Thursday, we begin our performances, over 100 performances across the city for Chicago Theater Week. Now, what does this mean exactly for Chicago? This is is an opportunity for people to experience theater around the Chicago at greatly reduced prices, right? Right. So you get to experience shows for just $15, $30 or less. This is um, February 16th, so starting Thursday through February 26th. So a little bit over a week, actually, and um, gives everyone an opportunity to visit different neighborhoods, different size theaters, see different types of shows and different experiences. So um, it's an opportunity for the whole family. And there's a special kickoff event going on. Uh, tomorrow evening at the Den Theater, uh, I believe, correct? Yes. You know, the theater kids, we lo- we know how to uh, throw a kickoff event in a party. So yes. we're, we're so excited to be back in, and on stage. And we want the public, we want everybody, all of our audience members and supporters um, to visit us at the Den tomorrow at 5 o'clock p.m. Um, where we'll have some highlight performances uh, that that circulate on Black History Month, but we'll have highlight performances, food, fun for uh, everyone. So, so please join us. I'm sure it'll be uh, really great. Now, are people who are nominated for Joseph Jefferson Awards <laughs> allowed to participate in this? Because uh, 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 thespian uh, James J. Toronto, who is here with me this morning, he was. Uh, oh, hello. He played. He played George in uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Uh, this uh, past summer, and it got himself a nomination for a Jeff Award. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. And you you know what? We, we, theater is for everybody. So we want, of course, all of our uh, Joseph Jeff Award nominees there. We want our audience member there. We want, you know, our backstage crew, our stage managers. Everybody's welcome. Now, he was just wondering how soon the League of Chicago (laughs) Theaters could put up a statue of him. Uh, like the the statue that they have of uh, George M. Cohan on Broadway, if it's possible uh-huh. to get a Jim Toronto statue, say, oh, no place, but you know, no, no place too fancy, like maybe Michigan Avenue, or something. Yeah, Navy Pier, yeah, maybe maybe Navy Pier, maybe you know somewhere, maybe out on the water, that'll really yeah. stand out. Yeah, <laughs> in the water would be even better, really. <laughs> Uh, what are what are some of the highlights of some of the uh, theater events that will be taking place uh, during Chicago Theater Week, Marissa? Well, yeah, you just uh, you just mentioned uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire. So uh, Jackie Taylor at Black Ensemble Theater will actually be doing a tribute to Earth, Wind, and Fire. Oh, I cannot uh, wait for this show. I, I'm last so excited. couple of days, isn't that yeah. that's going to be great? Great time for uh, music and just if you if you're really a fan, that'll be a good one to explore. Um, and then we have uh, Tony Stone at the Goodman Theater. I just saw that yesterday at the matinee performance. Um, wonderful uh, production about um, Tony Stone, who wanted to join the uh, professional baseball league and, and her story. So that was a great opportunity to learn as well. 
Yeah, is there, um, is, know, there we, a, is there a place to go where people can take a look at the, uh, the productions which are participating in Chicago Theater Week? Is there an easy way oh, to absolutely. just look at and see yeah, what's please. available, and and that way that you can pick and choose yourself? Definitely, please go to chicagotheaterweek.com. dot um, com. You'll, you'll be on Choose Chicago's website, who's our partner and sponsor in Chicago Theater Week. So go to chicagotheaterweek.com. You'll be able to look at it by neighborhood, by price. Um, it'll be broken down, so please uh, please go to the site. Yeah, that's uh, some great stuff. And the uh, League of Chicago Theater uh, puts on the uh, the hot tick site, so you can always uh, take a look there and see what's available and you know what kind of discount tickets are available uh, regardless. That's uh, hot ticks. Hot, hot, hotticks.com or is it Chicago Plays? Which which is the preferred site for that? For the discounted tickets, you want to go to hotticks.com. That we, you'll get up to fifty um, percent off or more on tickets on Hot Ticks. Good deal. So a lot of good stuff uh, coming up. Uh, Marissa, really nothing fancy for Jim Toronto. Oh, would you stop uh, with statue? This now? <laughs> if, maybe you could arrange to have him uh, put his hands and footprints in the cement. Uh, someplace. We gotta have him. He's definitely gotta have him at the kickoff party on Monday for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, well, well you have you to know, talk we'll, to my people. Yeah, you have to, to highlight. People. I'm not. I'm not even allowed to look at him anymore. I can. I'm not allowed to look at him directly anymore. Uh, I'll do a, after a his special announcement when I when I say. Thank you to all of our wonderful artists. Just know I'm talking about you, Jim. Okay, okay thank you. you. Right. Wink, wink. <laughs> yeah, wink, yeah. wink. Uh, Marissa Lynn Ford, uh, President CEO, League of Chicago Theaters. Great to talk to you, and we'll see you soon, Marissa. Thank you. Thank you so much. We get into our food time show for Super Bowl Sunday. Soup recipes today. We get it. <laughs> you have to sell it that hard. <laughs> I've only been doing it for the last 20 years on Super Bowl Sunday. It's one of my reliable segments that I always do for uh, special occasions. But I did want to spend a little time uh, talking uh, well, uh, kind of about, a, I guess, a Super Bowl dish you could put out, which is pretty healthy, really delicious and super healthy. But also, I don't know why, for me, I think of this as the ultimate Valentine's Day uh, food to put out. I think seafood on Valentine's Day is really nice. Oh, I don't know why. It's interesting. I don't know why. Like yeah. a like a nice uh, like a scallop. I have salmon all the time, but like a, like a like a Dover sole to me. Oh. It's it's delicate. It's lovely. It's kind of romantic. But I had a Dover sole is romantic. It's so romantic. <laughs> oh my goodness! Eat a nice Dover sole <laughs> and a butter sauce. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Your therapist must have a field day with you. <laughs> uh, but I've been looking for days. I, I I went to Joe's Stone Crab, which is one of my favorite restaurants. Uh, it's ridiculously expensive there. It's, yeah. it's like an expense account kind of, <laughs> kind of restaurant. Or well, that's what it is. Yeah. Super special occasion. But the food is spectacular yeah. there. Uh, and they have a seafood salad. Mm. that is delicious it's uh lobster and nice. crab uh, shrimp uh, um what else do they have it's just all kinds of seafood in it celery red pepper uh, and it's in kind of a lemon vinaigrette and i went there once to uh, and i just ordered that i went there for lunch by myself i'm going to figure out how to make this seafood salad because it's expensive it's very expensive i'm going to figure out how to make this at home 
And I sat so there. So you deconstructed it. I deconstructed it. And I sat there with a pencil and pen. Oh. And I. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, that tastes like. Oh. Yeah. I, oh, so you were trying to like identify. The ingredients. And the ingredients. Fish. Wasn't and it I, on the menu? And I wrote it. Then, not the individual ingredients. Oh. No, and they wouldn't tell me the, the, <laughs> what it was. Yeah. Uh, but I, uh, I, I wrote down what I thought was right. I went home and made it, and it was pretty good. It was pretty close. Yeah. And now I can't find oh. my. Re- I can't find it. So now you're gonna have to go back. It's killing me. Spend three hundred dollars <laughs> on the on the thing. I think it's like thirty thirty five bucks something for a salad. Yeah, but think about it. That's if you're a putting, lot of money for a salad. But there is if a lot. If you're throwing of, lobster tail or yeah. lobster and a shrimp lot of, and lot of scallops, it, was there a scallop in there? Uh, there was a scallop. How in about there. a mussel? I believe, I, I think so. I become a new fan of the muscle. I love a muscle. I was never a fan of the muscle. Uh, yeah. I was always intimidated by the muscle. By the shell? Yeah, the shells always scared me. Yeah. They just black and they're like, you know, rounded right. and. Arr, arr. Arr. But now I had a friend of mine, uh, him and his wife are huge muscle fans. And so I said, give me one of those things. Yeah. And oh, now. Oh, they're delicious. Look at me, muscling away. You get it in a nice uh, oh, garlic. Yes. Uh, uh, sauce last uh, night. We kind of yeah, it was almost like a soup. It was like that yellow, that white sauce. Yeah, and yeah. You, you dip your crusted bread in there. Mm-hmm. Oof, yeah, the garlic bread. That's delicious. That yeah, was very good. That's delicious. Mm. Now my, my mouth is watering. <laughs> so, so I think that's a, what's a what's a uh, uh, Valentine's Day dish to you? What's a good Valentine's Day dish? Well, to that's you? a good question. I've, I'm always a big. I love a good fondue. Hmm. And I think a fondue is a nice kind of Valentine's Day thing because you are, you know, you're you're, you're sharing, you're sharing. Yeah. So you're and you're and you're uh, you're collaborating with somebody. Right. You know, you're. It's not just on a plate. You're you're actively doing something and you're right. dipping together. Engaging, and, right? Yeah. So and I the opportunity to uh, accidentally spill scalding hot oil oil is always good. on your loved one is always. That's well, that's a bonus. Yeah. I mean, if you can do that, right? But a nice—if you can you, turn it into an emergency room visit. <laughs> yeah, this you invite. This way, you invite people over. You know, the ambulance. <laughs> but no, but it's, I love a good—you uh, uh, know—you mentioned before. Does anything is anything bad with melted cheese? Is there anything no. bad with melted cheese? No. no. And so, if you if you can do a nice cheese fondue with a little you know wine in there and a little. A few little spices. I just when you dip the bread, that's good stuff. The loaf of bread, like little pieces of, right. of bread in there, cubes, with, like cubes, little cubes. Yeah. And then we even put in there uh, some broccoli sometimes. Oh, we we'll dip you. some broccoli in there. You with the broccoli, yeah. And uh, what a chocolate fondue. Oh, a white. Well, it's got to be. I, I'm a white really? chocolate guy. I like a white chocolate with, and then with in there you dump you dunk. The pound cake cubes. Oh, look at you. Pound cake in the hot oh. white chocolate fondue. I'm a... I'm a... Fudget about it. Milk chocolate or dark chocolate. Really? I like a white chocolate And fondue. I like a nice uh, strawberry in there. Oh, well, yeah. that's Well, that's a perennial. I enjoy a, I enjoy a nice strawberry. Or a nice uh, an apple. Apple goes good even with in the, in the cheese, too. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I, I can do... I, I, I enjoy fondue. Suddenly, my Dover soul sounds kind of crummy well <laughs> it could be flaky i don't know if it's crummy but <laughs> yeah i don't know where you got that i don't know it's for, not, for a romantic it's delicate it's wow lovely i don't know it's lovely again that's the second time well, it <laughs> it's is. lovely it is you can go have your cheese and wonder bread i don't care <laughs> care what you do our uh, a-list interview is up next which is sponsored by the 
That's me, by the way, singing. Sponsored by the That's what I imagine it would sound like if you were singing. Sponsored by the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, who doesn't sound at all like neither Jim nor I. Uh, I had the pleasure this week of talking with uh, someone that I've interviewed many, many, many times uh, for television projects and uh, moving pro- movie projects, and that is uh, Sir Patrick Stewart, who we know is Captain uh, Jean-Luc Picard from uh, Star Trek, The Next Generation. He's uh, been starring in the, uh, the reincarnation of it, I guess you might say, Star Trek Picard, focusing more on his uh, particular character. Uh, season three is about to begin for that, which will be the final season of uh, Star Trek Picard. And one of the things that I uh, talked with Sir Patrick about was uh, wrapping this project up and uh, whether or not it was uh, kind of bittersweet. A little sweet, but absolutely no bitterness whatsoever. Um, I have enormous respect for everything that we did on this show. Uh, Sometimes it maybe wobbled a little, but the commitment behind it from day one right until the end of shooting season three has been enormous. You know, I worked with the National Theatre in England, with the Royal Shakespeare Company, with leading directors, and but uh, nothing that I could say that had overwhelmed the intensity, seriousness, and passion about Star Trek, uh, as I've experienced in the last 35 years. And, and you know, if you were doing a stage play, uh, a three-year run's a, a, a pretty good... Uh, that's a pretty good run for uh, for any production, right? Yep. <laughs> I've never done it. Not three years. No. Nor have I. Yeah. Gates, what do you think is... Uh, the most special part of this uh, gathering of multi-generations of uh, Star Trek uh, actors and, uh, you know, uh, thoughts and, you know, bits and pieces. It's its quite a spectacular gathering, isn't it? It really is. I think uh, that you just said it. It's very powerful to have all the different generations, the new cast members who are all beautifully chosen, and to see some people who have been past characters. and um, But everyone has their very special moments, and it, they're all different. It's not the same old at all. We've all had major life experiences. We've My character's been out of touch with different people. So to have a great character arc and a great story, which I feel this is a great story for all the characters... Um, we see different aspects that we've never seen of all of the characters. And that's hard to do. That happens very rarely in a, uh, just a 10-episode where there's been such a history. So I think they did a, just a remarkable job with it. Patrick, what do you think the, the key is of uh, the, the Star Trek franchise as a whole being able to maintain itself for some 60 years now, but your series in particular of uh, keeping it fresh, uh, keeping people coming back, keeping people engaged. Uh, you use the word. Um, the, the, there is a fundamental optimism about most aspects of Star Trek. And 
in some respects, that's a little bit rare with popular television. Um, I, I occasionally find myself watching programs where I don't like any single character. They're all offensive in one way or another. And, and that's, that's fine, because aspects of life can be just like that. I've been in companies that were like that. And, <laughs> it's, um, and yet there is this basic philosophy behind Star Trek that it can be better, it will be better. We can proceed, proceed, proceed. And uh, season three is uh, uh, Picard, and, and uh, season three is very, very turbulent. Um, and I, I think, I think that keeps interest alive. Uh, and and the the notion that that largely the future is unknown, but we will struggle it to shape it into what we want it to be. Yes, yes. I, I, that's really well said. I, uh, the difference of our show, to me, is that we are in very troubling times right now in the world today. And this season is very troubling. It's very um, dangerous. But we all come together to try to find the best solution that works for the best of humanity, for, for trying to, to go forward in a positive way. And that's what's quite remarkable, because it has, a, it has an effect on people. They, they believe that things can be better, and there is collaboration, and we can work something out. Our characters have a great loyalty to one another, even when we violently disagree. Mm-hmm. And that is what really... Uh, guides uh, my character anyway, that there's a sense of lo- loyalty and love. And if we only had more of that in the uh, in Congress, maybe we'd be better off. Yeah, this the interview uh, was the day after the State of the Union address. So uh, it was very top of mind. That's Gates McFadden, by the way, Cheryl Gates uh, McFadden, who played uh, Dr. Beverly Crusher in Star Trek The Next Generation, uh, both in the TV series and in uh, four of the films. And uh, so that's what she's talking about, that even though you have great disagreements uh, about things, uh, that there is love for one another and you're able to find compromise. That was her <laughs> reference to uh, talking about uh, what's going on in Congress uh, right now. The uh, This uh, uh, Star Trek Picard, this third season of Star Trek Picard, I've only seen a couple of episodes of it so far. It's not, it's not out yet and won't be till toward the end of the month. Uh, but it brings back... Uh, lots of uh, your your favorite characters from different incarnations of uh, Star Trek Next Generation all the way through some of the current Next uh, Generations. LeVar Burton is back. Brent Spiner is back. Um, Michael Dorfman uh, is back. Uh, they're, they're bringing back uh, lots of your familiar uh, characters from uh, the different incarnations of the shows. And uh, Patrick Stewart, God bless him, 82 years old, uh, still out there, still uh, working strong. And uh, he brings such uh, uh, dignity and and class to any performance uh, that he does. Uh, I couldn't be a bigger fan. And 
I probably have interviewed him, I don't know, a dozen times or so, something like that. Is he a nice guy? Could not be nicer. Could not be nicer. He seems like he is. I, I, I wasn't expecting anything less, but um, just a, a complete gentleman, uh, funny, uh, self-effacing. Uh, it's my favorite thing when I go in to interview uh, celebrities. If they're self-effacing, if they make fun of themselves, I'm an instant fan. Yeah. I love that. I've seen him on stage several times. In, in plays, and he's just amazing. Yeah, just riveting. I've I've never seen him perform on stage. I, w- I would love to do that. I hope that uh, someday I have uh, an opportunity to do that. I've always been such a fan of the original Star Trek uh, series with Shatner and mm-hmm. Leonard Nimoy and all the rest. Um, I've I've liked the others, but I got it. Maybe you know because the original Star Trek was my introduction to it all. That uh, was always my my favorite. Of I was not a big fan when it first started in Next Generation, but a friend of mine uh, turned me on to it, and uh, and I became hooked. I was just, I mean, Patrick Stewart was so good in that role, and I never had heard of him before that. I mean, he was a, an accomplished actor, but he's never really on American television all that much. And he, it, it was very well written. I mean, if you if you like the original. You you should give the next generation yeah. a chance. I've, wa- I've watched it. I just didn't have. I no? think I just didn't have the same emotional attachment no. yeah. uh, to it because when I was a kid, it was so di- so different than yeah. anything else. Uh, you know, Rowan and Martin's Laugh-In was on TV and <laughs> Star Trek. <laughs> right. So you know, if you wanted something that kind of challenged your imagination a little bit, and Star Trek most certainly did. And I I interviewed many of the cast members for this uh star trek picard and you know i asked almost everybody what why why star trek has been able to endure it this whole time it's because it it deals with they say it deals with uh questions of inclusion and that anybody who feels different can uh, relate to star trek because this show uh, was so inclusive of so many different kinds of people, and even back in the '60s when segregation—that I mean, it was a, it was really making a lot of political and social statements through many of its stories. Sure, that whole idea of the Prime Directive—that you know, you can't, uh, you know, uh, you can't change things. This is a society. You can, you can, you can introduce things, but you can't alter them you have to let them be but i mean the first interracial kiss right and so many of the stories did talk about a i mean think about it aliens right the whole show was about was aliens. A complete metaphor yeah for what the world was going through back yeah. then uh it really it was uh, rather genius and this quest to try to for everybody to try to get along uh you know how can how can we somehow make this a better world for all of us is really what the show was all about. But, you know, how inclusive to have somebody who is uh, uh, Asian, uh, have somebody who was, uh, you know, Scotty, to have a Russian. At the, a uh, Russian, especially, during the Cold War. In the midst of the, the Cold War, uh, it was, uh, you know, anybody who felt a little bit different felt right at home, I think, watching. And, and the uh, subsequent versions of Star Trek, you know, really, we're not uh, all all that too far off the the same kind of uh, philosophical mode. I think. Anyway, the uh, Star Trek uh, Picard will be uh, debuting on a TV near you uh, very soon, and we will uh, uh, tell. We'll, we'll share more of the interviews with uh, some of the cast members in uh, the coming weeks. Coming up after uh, twelve o'clock, we're going to get into uh, our food time show. And today, because it's Soup Herbal Sunday, 
I feel compelled to uh, drive this home. Uh, that uh, you're sure hitting it hard, my friend. As we've done for uh, probably as long as the uh, Food Time Show has been on, twenty plus years, something thirty years, I don't know. Uh, on Super Bowl Sunday, I just thought, what a what a better thing to do on Super Bowl Sunday than to to talk soup on the Food Show. We still have a, a month or so of chilly weather you know soup soup weather i will get some uh some new recipes from the senior culinary director of a website called serious eats it's got some fantastic recipes on there uh, i'll share a couple of recipes that i have for some soups uh maybe jim toronto do you have a favorite soup recipe i told you i like i well one of my favorite soups at all is in, in napa they have a tomato soup with pastry on the top oh oh it's like a soup, a tomato soup. And then on top of it is a they pastry. Like a puff pastry yes. that they put in the oven. Yes, Cafe Jante in Yantville. Oh, best soup I've ever had. That's a that's a good food area oh, of the country. Fantastic. The, the wine country and... Yeah. It's fantastic up in the, in the food. Um, anyway, we'll get into all of that and more all coming right up. Shwani, you undoubtedly remember the great Jack Taylor, WGN uh, absolutely. fame, right? Oh, WGN yes. radio and WGN TV fame. Certainly. Passed away about a week ago of heart failure, 94 years old. Uh, but uh, one of, one of the, the legendary uh, newscasters, on uh, WGN. He did many, many things on WGN radio and TV. Yep. Yes. He did a, uh, he did a, a country, mu- country western music show on WGN radio and a jazz show. Did, but not, he did a jazz not show? Not together. They were two separate, you know, two separate music shows uh, that he did. But, you know, uh, uh, this, this may have predated Wally Phillips. Uh, you know, the, of the early, early days before WGN was, you know, pretty much all talk. But that's how versatile he was. And then he moved over to TV mm-hmm. and he uh, hosted the legendary late night uh, newscast, uh, Nightbeat. Nightbeat. He sure. did Nightbeat he, before he, Marty McNeely? He was one. I, I don't know if he was before or after. I think he was before Marty McNeely. Uh, but those, you know, legendary, legendary. Uh, he uh, anchored the. 10 o'clock news, I believe it was, 10 p.m. news, with Len O'Connor, oh, I remember Harry Volkman, and uh, Jack Brickhouse. They were the anchor team on WGN. <laughs> remember Wendell Phillips? Wendell, Wendell Phillips. Who was, was the sports guy. Yeah. Wendell Smith. Wendell Smith, I'm Wendell sorry. Smith. Yes, yeah. yeah. Was a was sports guy. Um, and yeah. so was Ernie Banks. Legendary. Ernie Leg- Banks used to do the sports. Legendary names, uh, you know, on, on WGN, but... Uh, our condolences to uh, Jack Taylor's family. Uh, they live uh, just near the Wisconsin border, and uh, they had a service for him uh, yesterday. Let me tell you something. I mean, in addition to what he did on WGN, for years he was uh, the host of Stock Market Observer on Channel 26. He did He did that for a long time. Long time, long time. Uh, brought his professionalism to that. He did uh, a variety of radio shows on some suburban radio stations. Uh, he, he, a top professional, but not a nicer man you will find uh, than Jack Taylor. He was uh, just a, a complete gentleman's gentleman. He had a smooth voice like Schwanis too. <laughs> <laughs> he did. I met Jack a number of times, and yes, indeed, just a very, very terrific person. 
Okay. <laughs> do you hit? Do you hit? Are you are you done, Dean? No, I was just trying to think. Is there anything else I want to say about this? And there's really not. But he had a, but he was very smooth and very very professional. Song. Like a very reassuring. He had that deep little vo- voice. Right. But, he, but he, it was always. It wasn't monotone, but it wasn't crazy. You know, much like this show. <laughs> no monotone on this Not show, monotone. that's for sure. Yeah. Except for the crazy part. <laughs> that's, that part may still be here. And this is Dean Richards, Sunday morning on WGN. We get into our food time show for today. Chicago Radio's only cooking and dining show. For Super Bowl Sunday. You'd think we would do Super Bowl appetizers for today, but no. As we have done for years and years on Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> wow. We, you are nailing that one. We, we get it, Dave. We focus in on soups. Great soup recipes for Super Bowl Sunday. Super Bowl. <laughs> today. Uh, and today, we're happy to have uh, joining us to talk soups, Daniel Gritzer, who is the Senior Culinary Director for SeriousEats.com. Daniel, nice to have you with us. Thanks for coming on WGN. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So, uh, is there really, is there anything better than a good old bowl of, bowl of soup? <laughs> I've got to tell you, I'm getting over a, a pretty nasty cold that I caught for my daughter, and it's, it's all I need right now. So, <laughs> you know, there, there are moments when we truly need soup, and then also, just generally, what, yeah, what is better than a nice bowl of soup? It kind of you know, a lot of soups are are, are one pot meals. You know, I uh, we we were talking about this earlier. You know, what's your what's your favorite soup? And my my list of my favorite soup about you know twenty thirty different soups on there. So I, I just in, enjoy uh, you know a nice homemade soup. You can't beat it. Um, you yeah. Know, how do you choose? How do you even choose? Yeah, and well, you know, I'm not I'm not sure uh, in in what city uh, we're talking to you in today. Uh, but here in Chicago, I mean, the winter has not been that bad at all this year. But st- right. it's still cold. Right. Still cold outside, uh, and uh, right. you know, a nice hot bowl of soup on a chilly day—you can't beat it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm in New York City, so it's very oh. much the same story here. Okay, um, and then of course a, a cold soup on a on a warm summer's day. But oh. that's probably not what we're going to focus on today. Well, you know what, uh, gazpacho is a, a year-round uh, soup in my book anyway, but you're mm-hmm. right, you're right. It's especially delicious on a on a warm day to have a nice cool soup with all those wonderful uh, flavors. Uh, you, you can't go wrong with that. What is your favorite soup? We were talking about that uh, earlier. Oof, that is such a hard one. I think I'm I think I'm in your boat. You know, there's probably a list of at least 20 if not more that could could all compete with each other. I, it depends so much on my mood. Um, I, I'm very, very, um, uh, I really love uh, these kind of rustic Italian soups where there's often like one in my mind right now that I just made recently at home is called Ribolita, which is reboiled because what it is is gen- basically you take a, your leftover minestra, like a, you know, minestrone, um, and you kind of stretch it by adding bread and stuff like that. Um, and so it's a really hearty vegetable bean and bread soup. And for me, that is, you know, that's one of those ones. It's kind of a stick to your rib soup. And I'm not a, a vegan or a vegetarian, but it is a soup that I'm sure you could put some grated cheese on it or something, but it is, it's essentially a vegan soup. Um, 
So if you are going for a meat-free thing, uh, it's a great choice. Yeah, walk me through some of the ingredients uh, on this. And by the way, uh, all of these recipes are on SeriousEats.com. If you want to look up specifics uh, on any of these, you can go to their website and get that. But walk me through this, what is it, Ribolita? Right, Ribolita. So historically, it's you would you would make a minestra one day, which here we call like a minestrone, right? You would, and the vegetables are pretty flexible, but let's say onions or leeks and carrots and celery and garlic and maybe a turnip and, you know, kind of go down the list of, of whatever you can throw into the pot. And really a lot of these rustic soups are very much whatever you can throw into the pot kind of soup, sort of a kitchen sink soup on, you know, on more, during more meager times, maybe, maybe there's less to put in the pot and other times of the year mm-hmm. there might be more. Also, ribolita very commonly there's a squash, um, Tuscan kale, or what's sometimes called dinosaur kale. Um, you mean like a, all, like, you know, a like a butternut mm-hmm. squash, something like that. Something like a butternut squash, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so you you'd have that one day, and then let's say you have some leftovers, and you say, well, it's not quite enough for dinner the next day or a couple days later. So what you do then is um, maybe your maybe your minister had beans in it, or maybe you didn't. But boom, in go the beans, and either the you know the, the liquid from the can or the liquid if you've cooked the beans from dried into the pot, which is always delicious and adds extra flavor. And uh, and then bread, and traditionally the bread would be stale because again this is it's all about stretching the leftovers and making use of things that kind of have are past their prime. And so you have some bread that's a few days too many old, and mm-hmm. you chuck that in the pot, and it soaks up all the liquid and gets soft and kind of almost custardy. Um, the reality is I've tested it many different ways, and if you don't have stale bread, you can just throw fresh bread into the pot and it ends up working out the same. Right. Um, these, these days, people don't necessarily make ribolita always as a way to stretch the vegetable soup from the day before. Uh, you know, you can, you can, you can set, set out to do it with the intention of making ribolita from the, from the, from the start. And like so the, again, you know, you would saute your yeah. aromatic vegetables in olive oil, and then you would add your um, stock and, you know, your beans and the bean cooking liquid and all of this, and it's all going to simmer and get really flavorful and everything's going to get really soft and all that flavor is going to just leach right into the broth. And then you're going to chuck the bread in and the bread is going to soak it all up. And then it's sort of a matter of personal taste, how dry you want it to be. It can, you know, more bread, it'll soak up more of the liquid and it'll become almost more of a porridge in a sense, but it's it's a soup or you can leave it brothier. So that's very much a sort of a personal preference thing. That's a, it's a perfect way to thicken up a, uh, a broth anyway, isn't it? To, uh, without adding cream or something in it, it's a, a, a nice way to yeah. add, add some body to the. Is that like a pomodoro, like a like a, a tomato soup with like the tomato bread soup? There you go. Yes, I'm, I'm impressed. You're, you're calling that out. That is another bread soup in the Italian tradition, a papa pomodoro. I've had that in Florence, is, and it's the greatest soup I ever had in my life. It is a that is that's another one that would be on my list of contenders for the best soup, you know out there. And it's funny because I think for folks who haven't had these bread soups before, it can kind of sound like an odd thing, like bread soup, really bread. You're, you're putting bread in your soup. You know, sure. I put croutons on my soup or something, but like, this is different and it is different, but it's, it, 
it's fantastic, oh, isn't it's it? It really it amazing. completely oh. alters the texture and, yep. and that kind of that custardy thing, which which again maybe sounds weird to folks like custardy soup. What's this guy talking about? But it when you have it, it makes that. <laughs> Yeah, you'll you'll never go back to saltine crackers again. <laughs> Good peasant stock. It's, it's really the the best recipes are really kind of peasant recipes, right. you know, because they they yeah. took what they had and they yeah. and they made the best of what was around of, of stretching things out. Now yeah. you talk about you know the best soup that you've ever had. I I had said earlier, uh, the best that I've ever had is a really fantastic French onion soup. Do, do, you, do you have uh, do you have a recipe for that, Daniel? I sure do. A, a fairly well-known one in the in the land of internet recipes. Um, I went pretty far down the rabbit hole testing testing all sorts of things with French onion soup. Um, and yeah, I mean, we can definitely talk French onion soup. And in a sense, that's another bread soup because bread does get layered yeah, into yeah. the serving right. bowl and soaks up the broth. Um, and obviously, with that one, the, the 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 largest part of the work involved is just caramelizing those onions. What's the what 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 cheese do you usually put on the top? I go with something like a Gruyere. Right. I love Alpine cheeses like a Gruyere or a Comte. That kind of cheese are a little bit funky, a little bit earthy, um, and so for me, that's just like the perfect cheese on now, there. Now I made uh, I made a French onion soup on my TV cooking segment a few months ago. I couldn't find mm-hmm. Gruyere to save my life. Really, could not find it. And really? Somebody, somebody told me just, oh, just get a good Swiss cheese. It's basically the same. Do you do you think it's the same? No. Well, I mean, a lot of you know, I don't. There might be some Swiss cheeses that that the Swiss would point to and say these are really excellent examples of Swiss cheese. But a lot of the stuff that's sold as Swiss cheese here is a lot more mild, and I like it in certain applications. So I'm not saying this to put Swiss cheese down. Um, but it's a lot more mild. It has a lot less of that kind of funky, earthy complexity that a Gruyere has. Yeah. So for me, they they wouldn't. I mean, in a pinch, if you can't find Gruyere, it totally makes sense to grab something like the Swiss cheese. But it's not going to have the same flavor. Yeah. So is uh, that what you found, or did you find it? It worked I, well. I I think if if I didn't know that it wasn't Gruyere, I might not have even uh, noticed it. Was it as stretchy? It was just a stretchy. Because <laughs> it's got to be stretchy. Yeah. It was very stretchy, <laughs> but well. I'm, you know, it's the it's the complexity of the uh, caramelized onions and the broth. And I mm-hmm. put I put a little wine, a little red wine in oh. it. Also, I, a, mm-hmm. a bunch of different things. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I I didn't really you know the that I put a substitute cheese on there. Nobody that I served it to said. This is an outrage. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> How dare you put Swiss on a French uh, onion soup? <laughs> right, right. But it was, it was I mean, pretty I think cool. you, you make a good point, which is that when you have something that has a lot of complex flavors going on and you've built a lot of flavor in the onions and the broth and all of that, sometimes the subtleties between one cheese, let's say, and another can can kind of, you know, you're not going to notice as much. So I think that's a really that's a really important point. Yeah. Let me uh, take a quick break, and we'll come right back. If you've got a favorite soup recipe, we'd love to hear from you. You want to ask a question about a soup? Uh, Daniel Gritzer from uh, SeriousEats.com is on the line with us, and we'll be right back. At 1225, our food time show is on the air this week, sponsored by Writers Theater Performance once that is uh, going on we're happy to have with us daniel gritzer senior culinary director seriouseats.com 
And Daniel, some uh, interesting uh, uh, texts on our text line today. Uh, you know, someone said, uh, I buy Gruyere cheese all the time at Aldi's. I don't know. <laughs> do, do you have Aldi's in New York? There is an Aldi's, which I know through one of those shopping apps, uh, Instacart. I can see there's an Aldi's. I couldn't tell you where it is, though. Yeah, it's a, uh, you know, they have like secondary brands and things like that. But you find some really good deals there. It's not where I would have thought to go for Gruyere cheese. (laughs) Uh, uh, It's not the cheese section at Whole Foods, necessarily. You you would think, (laughs) you you, you might think, you know, if you were a food snob, that Aldi's is not the place to go for that. But uh, I'm going to go check it out myself. Yeah. Uh, Here is uh, someone telling me, my feel-good soup is Progresso basil (laughs) tomato soup with a half a cup of one-minute oatmeal in it. Have you ever heard of that? adding oatmeal for some texture in soup i you know off the top of my head i can't think of anything but a little bit it reminds me of just sort of these bread soups we've been talking exactly. about where you kind of stretch a soup with some kind of a, a, a grain or a, you know bread is just a, made from grain um so it's it's kind of it's in that kind of line of thinking yeah. um that's a cool idea i think that's actually we put rice in soups. Why not a little right. oatmeal? It's a good way to. I, I frequently will take a, a, a can a soup and doctor it up a little bit. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I, I've done that. Uh, here's the 847 area code saying uh, whenever I have leftover pot roast, I chop it up with some vegetables, throw in some beef broth and some barley, and let it simmer for a couple of hours. It's wonderful. That's a fantastic idea. I mean, basically yeah. a soup anyway, right? I mean,. Kind of. Yeah, you're turning. I mean, so many soups really are, you know, they come from this idea of, you know, how do we make use of a whole bunch of stuff we've got? Uh, you know, stuff that's kicking around in the fridge, getting a little, you know, doesn't have too much life left to it or leftovers right. and that kind of thing. One of my, uh, also one of my favorite uh, soups, you have a recipe on SeriousEats.com, is for classic butternut squash soup. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, can you walk us through that a, a little bit? Sure. So that's sort of in the, you know, we've been talking about kind of chunkier soups uh, where, you know, the the ingredients, the vegetables and things are maybe diced up, but they, they retain their individual presence in the, in the bowl. Uh, but the butternut squash soup is in the family of pureed vegetable soups, um, which in, you know, in the case of my recipe, I, I lean very heavily on high heat roasting to really develop that kind of caramelized sweetness of the butternut squash mm. before it goes into the pot. Um, and then, you know, the, the truth is that a lot of these um, pureed vegetable soups are work off of a sort of technical template that you can, once you understand how that works, you can apply it to many, many, many different things. So usually you start with some kind of uh, aromatic vegetables, onions, leeks, garlic, maybe carrot or celery, it depends if you want, you know, Carrot obviously adds orange color, which may or may not be an issue depending on the soup, and celery has a specific flavor. So the farther you get from the onion-garlic realm, the more you have to make decisions about, do I want this in my soup? Um, But they all add flavor, you know, sort of this base of flavor. And you saute them in something, oil, butter. Uh, Then you, you add some kind of liquid. It can be stock, vegetable stock, chicken stock, beef stock. It can even just be water in a pinch. That'll be the, 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 it'll, that will add the least flavor to the picture, but that's not necessarily a problem. 
Um, and then you add your main ingredient, which in the case of the butternut squash soup would be would be butternut squash. And like I said, I like to roast it first. That's to really play up that sweet, sweet caramel flavor of the squash. Such a good idea. Um, such a great idea. Yeah. But you can also go straight in with the raw vegetable. It really depends if you want to go more towards a kind of cleaner, less less complex. You know, when you're roasting things, you're developing this complexity. But sometimes it's nice to have a, a cleaner flavor profile where it's like sort of the clean flavor of a, if it's a carrot soup or something, maybe you want a kind of a, a, a more of a carrot that hasn't been touched in many different ways flavor-wise. Um, so, yeah, anyway, with my butternut squash soup, I, the squash is roasted and it goes in the pot and it all simmers until everything is really soft. Um, and obviously, you know, you can add herbs, um, spices. Butternut squash soup lends itself well to warm spices like cinnamon or nutmeg. Uh, and, you know, I like to put a little fresh thyme in the pot, which I'll pluck out before I puree it. And just, again, it's all about just building these layers of flavor so it doesn't taste too plain. Yeah, I like it um, with uh, a little curry. I like a little curry. Mm, in my great butter. idea. So, yeah. yeah. Fan- fantastic idea. I mean, yeah. that's what's so fun about this stuff is you have you have so much latitude to play. Yeah. Um, you know, you have your kind of base ingredients, but then it's sort of like what levers are you pulling on the flavor front with herbs, with spices, with, um, you know, things like that, condiments. And then, and yeah, and then the last step is to get it all in a blender and blend it up so it's just really silky smooth and creamy. Um, and the main thing I would, the tip I would give folks at home with this is always be ready to, oftentimes when I write a recipe for a pureed vegetable soup, I'll keep the initial amount of liquid that goes in the pot a little bit low because it's much easier to thin a too thick pureed soup than it is to thicken a thin pureed soup. Right, right. Um, if, 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 if you puree it and it's super thin and watery, it's got to go back in the pot and simmer, simmer, simmer. You're just waiting for that to evaporate and it starts to bubble and spit, right. and it's a pain in the butt. Um, but if it's too thick, all you have to do is add more of your broth that you used initially. So exactly. that's, that's how I tend to I tend to err on the side of keep it a little thicker in the pot, and then when you puree, it, you can always thin it. You, um, yeah, and then yeah, just it's just being mindful of adjusting that consistency so you get a nice soupy consistency, so it's not a butternut squash puree at the yeah. end of the day. Full recipes at seriouseats.com. We'll come back and talk a little more with Daniel Gritzer in just a minute. Love just perusing this site and looking for uh, great information about food, great recipes. If you are a foodie at all, this is uh, definitely a site you need to look at, seriouseats.com. And uh, we're just talking some soups today because it is Soup Herbal Sunday. <laughs> we get it, Dean. <laughs> So, so Daniel, despite my attempt to uh, shove this, to uh, crowbar this uh, down people's throats today, uh, give us a, a good soup that uh, you know it's it's a, a exceptionally mild day today. It's going to be in the fifties here, which is uh, unheard of in February in Chicago. But if someone wanted to do a nice soup today. Uh, what would be a good choice? Do you think? Well. Uh my mind always goes to things that are in the realm of bean soup that has that, you know, sort of in the, in the realm of chili, I, you know, when I was, when I was a kid, chili was like the Super Bowl dish. Um, right. That's probably true for a lot of folks. Um, so I have a recipe on series seats that is for uh, black beans and, and it has some um, andouille sausage in it. Mm-hmm. And it's just really easy and very hearty and very delicious. And so, all you really have to do is, you know, sort of like we were talking with some of these other 
soups, you start by sweating, cooking some, some of the aromatics like onion, celery, garlic in, um, in some oil. And then you add, actually, I, I add some mushrooms just because mushrooms have their own meaty flavor um, that can really, really enhance that kind of just the depth of the soup. Um, and then in go the black beans. And one thing that I love about black beans is, and this, I'm, I, I open up potentially a can of worms here, uh, not a can of beans, but a can of worms, which is there's an ongoing debate about whether beans, any beans, need to be soaked at all before you cook them. I still soak a lot of my beans, um, but black beans for sure do not require a pre-soak, which just makes them a great option when, when you don't have a lot of time or you haven't planned in advance. And um, I do all of this in a pressure cooker, you know, like an instant pot, that mm, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, beans go in with, with the liquid, you know, broth, chicken stock, whatever you have. Close the pot, let it run for about 40 minutes. And when you open it up, you just have this, and, and also the, the andouille sausage goes in there. You just have this incredibly flavorful, really satisfying, hearty bean soup. And, I, you know, a lot of soups... This gets maybe a little bit restauranty, but it really doesn't have to. Which is like, I often feel that a lot of soups they 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 become even more special when there's just a little bit of a garnish on them. Hmm. So for this one, and you could do whatever you want. Like the, there's literally an infinite number of options. But what I did for this recipe was just took some sour cream and seasoned it with the zest of a lime hmm. and ground cumin. And um, and so it's just a sort of cumin lime sour cream, and just oh, put wow. a dollop of that right in the right in the bowl. And you know that's sort of playing with the chili idea, that sort of sour cream thing. Yeah. You've got that kind of cool tangy sour cream with this with this really kind of warm, hearty, you know, sausage and bean stew, and um, and then you know the sour cream is just a little bit more interesting because it's got this lime zest and the cumin in it. And and this one I think is. You know, a really, really nice option because it's it's very little work. It's relatively little time, especially considering you're cooking beans. To have it done in under an hour yeah. um, for, is, is is really great. For more uh, traditional kinds of soup, are you a meat or no meat person? If meat, ground meat or chunk chunked meat in your chili? Oh, they're getting very controversial here, Dean. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'll. I'll, I'll I will go all ways. I mean, there a lot of the soups we've talked about so far has not been meat soups. And I'm very ha- you know, a butternut squash soup, I'm very happy to eat that and have no meat in it. But uh but a, a hearty soup and one of the one of the uh people who called in mentioned taking their pot roast and making a kind of on the fly with leftovers right. beef barley soup. I you know, I, I love a meaty soup. <laughs> so yeah. I, I don't I wouldn't know how to choose. It's like trying to choose, you know, your favorite child. Favorite or child, it's right? An unfair question. <laughs> I I I enjoy. Um, I mean, I literally, you know, we could open up a conversation about gun control and have less controversy than whether or not there should be beans in a soup or there should be meat in a soup. Uh, I I like ground meat in a soup. But I've also had uh-huh. a te- Texas style with chunks of beef, and it's pretty yeah. great when that beef, when those chunks of beef are melting in your mouth. Uh, there's, there's, pretty, yeah, that's pretty spectacular. About, also, it's, it's spectacular. It's all about choosing the right cut of beef. That's the, that's the, the secret to that, to that sauce. Um, is really going for one of those cuts of beef that do really well in, in sort of a stew situation, so or a braise, which generally these are the tougher cuts. 
that have a lot of collagen, like a lot of connective tissue in them. Yeah. They, they, they're not great as sort of quick cook steaks, but, uh, you know, the chuck, uh, the short ribs, yeah. these are the ones that you put them in a soup pot and uh, wow, the, you know, the they, longer, they melt. Yeah, longer range mm-hmm. uh, soups. Uh, you can get uh, all these recipes and so much more. Serious Eats dot com daniel a real pleasure to uh, meet you and talk with you and i hope you can join us again sometime i would love that thanks for having me daniel gritzer serious eats dot com have a great super bowl super bowl sunday